So, I was doing my impression of Batman, you know the one. So, anyway, I'm doing my thing, and my co-host Richie looks at me and says, You call that Batman impression? My little daughter can do better one than that. And Bill starts laughing and tells me to stick to Matrix impressions. Will he take away my cognac bottle? So I told him, you have to fucking fight me for it. Wait, are we recording? Play the music? Does everybody need to be Who Cares Who Wins? Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> oh, I, I, I have to be honest, I didn't, I didn't get that. That's, that's two co-hosts now on two separate podcasts that want to copy those guys who do nothing but say that I'm fucking wrong. I get. I guess tonight we'll see whether or not that hurts. You know what? I gotta change my top ten list. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Andre is copying. Who cares who wins? Just made it into my worst of 2015, and it's not even 2015 anymore. (laughs) You just ruined last year for me. (laughs) Actually, you could put you know who cares who wins podcast as one of the bottom things. I shouldn't say that. I actually like listening to those guys, even if they're wrong. Well, that was a parody anyway. (laughs) We do do it better. We have the Russian doing it. So that immediately tops, you know. (laughs) Get that man more vodka. Well, actually, I don't have vodka. Well, that's all I have. You know, that's it. That's what I have to go by the whole show. That's it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> we need to send you some. Ro- Martel sent me some, you know. <laughs> okay, for anyone who's watching along, watching or listening along at home, okay, watching at home, listening doesn't make a difference. Um, you may notice that we're trying to do a little bit of video today. Uh, you may have just noticed that I've been messing around a little bit with the pitch thing, trying to get it. Um, it occurred to me that what we're recording, it, it, um, I'm <coughs> able to type, so now it's working a bit more better. Okay, so ignore me, carry on. Oh wait a minute! So, so I get to say this: mm-hmm. Are you allowed by law to say more better? I mean, aren't they going to take you to the tower now or something? <laughs> oh god, you have a very good point. Considering that I collect people on this sort of shit all the time, so you've got a very good point but, there. But not just that; you're British. I mean, like, don't they behead you for for using bad English uh, <laughs> grammar? Not if you watch an awful lot of television, there's. There's an awful, oh god, there's some TV programs out there that, have you ever seen anything like, oh, I'm assuming in the US you don't have anything like The Only Way is Essex or these sort of programs? No. No. Um, If you ever get the chance, YouTube or Google a dude whose name is Joey Essex. Joey Essex. Yeah, that's his actual name. He's from Essex, but um, he is just an, don't get me wrong, he's he's a funny guy. But at the same time, it's, um, yeah, how to describe... Joey um, Donald Essex is an English television personality and a DJ for Sugar Hut. 
I'm sold. No idea what that means. I am sold. <laughs> he DJs for Sugar Hut. I, 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 I gotta watch this now. But yeah, he has a too. <laughs> but yes, he, uh, this is the type of person who. Um, don't get me wrong; it's it's funny. It's he's an amusing person, but it's one of those <sighs> famous because he's an idiot. That sort okay. of. Thing. You know, and it's like, you know, so that sort of thing. So, who knows? I don't know. Google says his competitors are some blonde chick, (laughs) some guy who's either Australian or British because that's his name. I mean, Kean Egan, K-I-A-N-E-G-A-N. David Emmanuel, he's got to be, I don't know, British or something. Uh, some other brunette chick and Alfonso Ribeiro, Carlton. I mean, it's sold again. Oh, here we go. What have we got here? <laughs> We've got. Um, I've just pulled up here some things. Joey Essex quotes. So, what does he have to Is say? Is this actually going into the show? <laughs> what are you doing I now? Think here we go. Joey Essex quotes. It's like I can't, a game. I can't blow my nose. I never learned how. Uh huh. Okay. Um, this is like Kingdom Death. Question. <laughs> Who was Romeo's girlfriend? Joey's answer was Romeo in it. Um, yeah. The, the, uh, I'll watch some. I, I, I think you had to be there. I'll watch some video. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's, 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 the, that's the joys of some. Things. We're driving Andre away. We we should talk about games. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I think we should probably consider. I mean, he's starting to twitch. I see his eyes drifting <laughs> to the alcohol. He's like, if they're going to talk about stupid non-gaming stuff, I'm going to drink. <laughs> I think we should probably, considering this is our first time recording video and putting putting video out there, we should probably say hello and who we are and all this sort of stuff. We're not going to go into the podcast as we know people know that. But it's just you know, this putting faces to names. You know, it's, it's for a lot of people they've never done that. Some of us. I mean, you know, in my case, you can't get away from my bloody face. I pipe it everywhere, but you know, you know, that's just me. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm I'm Richie, aka Doctor Loxley. So you all know my annoying voice and how I sound and all that bollocks. Mm. So uh, <laughs> so this 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 is this is me and my rather very chubby cheeks. <laughs> well, I'm Andre, and I'm on the forums. I'm better known as Duck Twenty One. And I'm the only out of those three guys who was never been, um, what's the, oh, crap, I forgot it now. You know these, um, uh, the weird press gangers, what they're called. Oh, henchmen. Yeah, I've never been a henchman. I'm, <laughs> I'm the odd one out. <laughs> they, we need to play it with four people, you know, so yeah. it'll be like, uh, have I got news for you? The odd one out, round. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's fair. I'm Bill, and uh, they wish I was never a henchman. <laughs> Actually, if um, if uh, Ant Wiseman was here, then it would be a free henchman and me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a new show. <laughs> <laughs> right. So today we'll be talking about um, gaming in. Uh, 2016. Well, 15. Oh, 15. <laughs> Get it right, dude. Get it right. I, haven't, I didn't even drink yet. <laughs> yes. Okay. <clears throat> so it's a, a year in review. Yep. 
not everything is going to be from 2015, though. It will no. be some things which we discovered in 2015. Yeah. So this is really about our experience. Exactly. Well, about, yeah, our 2015. Yeah. Mm. But just to be honest, hopefully that's what people listen for. If they want news, they can go somewhere else and get that. Because, I... you know, there's better places for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so shall we start from... Uh, so it'll be like a naughty and nice list. Yeah. Shall we start from nice, number five? Okay, okay. Do you want to go first, Andre? You sound like you you sound like you want to, you know, get the ball Okay, well, mine is going to be um, a bit long. I'll be talking about... Um, also, it's not something which came out in... It's a rumor that came out in 2015. Okay. And um, we're actually seeing some pictures of it. Well, not rumor. Why am I seeing rumor? It's just news that came out that uh, the company which everyone loves to hate... Is um, <laughs> which one? <laughs> and it's a company that we love to hate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Games Workshop. Right. Actually, <laughs> changing the. I was going to say because there's one that we love to hate a lot, but it's quite different. No. Move yeah, on. it's different, but I will say, I, I GW is right up there with loving to hate. In fact, <laughs> that might have to make my top five. Let's face it, weird <laughs> is a bit niche. <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. Come on, come on, come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So, um, they so which news? Kind of, they're changing yeah. their strategy, and actually, they don't. They no longer like respond to problems in a la la la. I'm not listening way. And they bringing back secondary games. Yeah. Do you believe that? Have you seen these cults of Blood Bowl minis, new ones? But do you believe that? <laughs> The games are coming back. It's not a rumor. It's not a rumor. This was official news. Yes, the new, the, the, there's, there's two, isn't there? There's a, an orc and a human that looks very similar. Well, the human looks very similar to the last plastic sculpt they did for the human thrower. Okay. And the orc is... Because, of course, the last edition of Blood Bowl had the pre-orc redesign orcs. So they've, mm. they've done it with the new style orcs. I- I mean, here's where I I heard they were bringing back specialist games, and then I listened to one of the other pod one of the other podcasts I listened to did a whole review of that letter that, and I'm now going to say supposed letter, mm. and they started with the little things, just the bad grammar, you know, bad semicolons here and there, and then they pointed out things like in that letter they misspell Games Workshop. <laughs> They misspell several of the specialist games. Um, that's so. What I, kind I of stuff they have? Buy that's, that. I think if someone wanted to like to create things, he'll probably look for like, <laughs> right spelling for everything. He could have just spell checked it. Well, could have, but I think they didn't. I don't know. I, I, That's why it I sounds real. Great, uh, it, was, it wasn't an official statement, though, was it? That, that that initial letter wasn't an official statement. It was something that was given to a store, wasn't it? So it was just a generic dude writing it on their computer. It wasn't from a press office. Mm-hmm. But, but the pictures of the sculpts, they came from a show. Yes, from that, they're from the Warhammer World, whatever it is, anniversary show thing, isn't it? Or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. That's a bit solid, isn't it, Bill? <laughs> I, if they came from Warhammer World, yeah. I mean, what, um... I, so I haven't seen these miniatures yet. Is there some place... Yeah. I didn't particularly like... Well, <laughs> there's a website which you don't like, Bill. It's called Bill of Lost Souls. Oh, come on. Everybody likes viruses. What's the problem? <laughs> 
and, and a little bit of spyware here and there. So, okay, well, I don't know. so Bell of Lost Souls. Uh... Oh, you can go on the Bell of Lost Souls Facebook account. Uh, you know, they'll... <laughs> great, great. Let's combine two things I hate. <laughs> Yeah, it's anyone... bad enough to go to Bella Lost Souls directly. Now you can go to there through Facebook. I'm trying to pull it up for the video recording as well, and I can't bloody find it. Oh, 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 oh. Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Is this it? Yes, this looks like I've got one bit of it. I've got a few... Oh, that's a bit rubbish. <laughs> and that kind of... I have a dual... Ah, here we go. Here, okay, um... so here is the bot, um, Bell link... Okay. For you guys to have a look at, and I am going to quickly put this into the video streams so that people can see <clears throat> what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually interested in, in Blood Bowl. I'm interested in other games, more time in Necromunda. And I have to say, I have conflicting feelings about this. I'm not very comfortable coming back to Games Workshop. But, you know, you don't have to... Warhammer Weekender. No. I mean, the power yeah. of nostalgia here. <laughs> yes, oh, see, I, I'm telling you, I have the best podcast topic to talk about how nostalgia affects new games. <laughs> so, so, Andre, you're, I mean... The news in 2015 that specialist games are coming back is exciting for you and is is one of the top five things that made your year. It's exciting, but uh, I'm kind of uh, also... uh, Like I said, I have conflicting feelings. Yes, I have with Games Workshop, I have this sort of love-hate relationship. (laughs) Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah. I'm scared so, of being disappointed. I mean, what are what are the chances that these new Blood Bowl miniatures here are the vaunted Blood Bowl box, uh, you know, Christmas box set or surprise box set that they've been talking oh, about Blood for Bowl five years sell. or Blood six Bowl years? Blood Bowl will sell, I can guarantee it. I don't know. Another really worrying thing is um, the... the uh, they're called Dwarden. You know what that is? Uh, dwarves. Yeah, the new dwarves. Yeah, it's because it's, an, it's, a, it's a copyrightable name. They can copyright it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I really like the sculpts. I hate the game. What's this, Blood Bowl? No, it's oh, uh, what, uh, Age of Sigma. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, the sculpts are really good, so I might actually go to realizing this really weird fantasy I used to have where I would, uh, well, nothing sexual. Uh, <clears throat> It's, uh, I don't believe I would, it. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to play a game of Wrath of Kings with Gage of Sigma proxies in a club somewhere, where and actually confuse people to make them think there's some sort of advanced Age of Sigma See, because hardly I, anyone knows about. I kind of think Kings. it'd be funnier to do it the other way around. To go to a GW, I, mean, I know they don't do yeah. things, but if you go somewhere like that and play Age of Sigma with uh, Wrath of Kings models. Why? Why would anyone want to play? Uh, because it'd be hilarious. You could videotape it. That would go viral. But in Richie, five he has a really good point. Why would anyone want to play Age of Sigmar? Um, <laughs> we'll talk about this later. Because the Kool Aid so says it's good. List. <laughs> okay, so okay, so I do my um, my yeah, best number fit number five. 
Okay, my best number five is finally, actually, it was this year I got my hands on Corvus Belly Infinity models. And these models I've seen pictures of in the years before, and they look good. But actually, um, for me, it was the Operation Ice Storm box set. And actually putting them together and seeing the detail actually in hand, pre-painting and going, wow, the crispness, the quality, and the joy of actually how putting them together was actually a real pleasure. Um, I mean, up until then, my recent things I've been working on had been really, it was things like Malifaux plastics and that sort of stuff, which I hated assembling. I despise working with plastics. So working with these beautifully made metals was just wonderful for me. And it was a, a real turning point, an absolute turning point. Well, Infinity is actually in my list as well. It's in number three. <laughs> so... I mean, for me, it's not, the, it's not the game itself. I have yet to play. I have yet to play the game, despite owning now the actual the, the, the N three book since last January. Mm-hmm. No, but you, pick, you picked it up and you've you've yes. read it. And yes. you're, yeah. So and it's abs and uh, and you know, I just the, the models are just so. And beautiful. also the change to uh, to computer generated sculpts is being and, really beneficial. And how they've done them. it right. You know, they've done it they've done it the way it's supposed to be done compared to how other companies do it. Like I just recently got the box set of uh, Mobile Brigada, you know, mm, the two male yep. and two female ones and the <clears throat> they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but um actually something I want to say about Infinity. Yeah. I'd say there's like three games which really I think revol which sound actually revolutionary to me, you know, something that breaks the mold and really stand out. And I found there's three of them. One was Malifaux, mm-hmm. one is uh, Guild Ball, mm-hmm. and one is Infinity. Now, the only difference with Infinity, it actually came out like ages ago. So this is how... But then, in a way, I mean, how, how long ago was ages ago? What year was it? We well, they were like, what, the, ten years ago now? Good point. So we're looking at yeah, so about two thousand and five. When did Malifaux first come out? And wasn't that two thousand and nine? So mm-hmm. if that's the case, not that's not that that much, that much of a difference. Not that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to, compared to Gilball, it is. But I mean, yeah. Mm. But what um, what do you feel? I mean, if you were to pick the two, the two most innovative pieces of those three games each what do you think you would say they were they are andre well for guild ball i suppose it's just like a it's a dynamic sports game it's a sports war game with and also yeah that that's because previously sports games were mainly board games. Uh, board games okay or actually, like, toy things like Subutio. Now, what about Malifaux and Infinity? Malifaux, um, Malifaux, obviously, it, they use the deck really cleverly. So, not just, like, the number of the card, but all, but the actual suit actually mm-hmm. created an additional effect to me that and also the fact that it's it's a very Euro war game. <laughs> huh. Kind of it. How so? Because there's no dice? No dice, yes. Okay. And um, for Infinity, 
it's a something that kind of really uh, simulates really well modern type of uh, modern combat in actual war game. Like from things now, do you like, say that because of the you're always going ARO mechanic, or is it that's something That's one of them, because you, normally you don't need much encouragement to shoot an enemy you have in your sights, is there? Also, something video games don't represent really well about modern warfare is um, you basically snipe things. Only snipers do that in real life. Normally, when you see your opponent, you only see them for split second. And mm. what you're actually aiming at is not your opponent, but rather its silhouette. You just do like a spray of bullets in his general direction and hope to hit them. And okay. uh, actually, Infinity does represent that, like a silhouette thing, because, you know, you catch a glimpse of them and you send, you know, <laughs> fire that way. Yeah, it's that a, makes it's sense. A, and you also, you're really scared of open spaces, which is... yeah. Well, in Infinity, I still I haven't played it. Still isn't my game, but uh, Infinity also doesn't devo- doesn't seem to devolve into a uh, you know uh, fist slash kicking slash sword fight. It's still primarily shooting. Mm. Well, they made close combat more interested in 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 the first in the third edition, but yeah, it's still mainly a shooting game. But yeah. now. At least if you're at close, you, there's a reason to attack in hand-to-hand rather than just shoot someone at point blank. <laughs> mm, okay. Yeah, I was just, I was curious, so. So, oh. Bill, what's your best number five? I, well, my best or we're, we're going bottom-up, right? Yeah, bottom-up, bottom. yeah. You know, I, and I don't know why I asked that, because none of mine are in order. So <laughs> just, oh, just pick so, one. So now I have to randomly, you know what? Um, one of the highlights of this last year, and this steps away from specific games to in general, there was a couple of changes, uh, in the New England gaming group and it became a real highlight, not only because some, some people up there who've been friends of mine for a while, who have now become better friends with this year, Adam is a great example who is a new person for me to blame for my gaming addiction. Uh, he has probably contributed at least a quarter of as many games to my collection of what I've bought this year as Kickstarter did. But um, the way they changed, they moved out of a store into a bar and things like that. It really was a highlight going up there, especially since I missed conventions this year. Mm. Um, so, you know, that little getaway and it looks like we're probably going to be up there again twice this year. So that'll be real cool. See, look at that all warm. It's almost like I have a heart. (laughs) Freaking Adam with his, uh, feeding my addiction. It's all his fault. At least that's what my wife keeps hearing. Well, I don't have much to add to that. <clears throat> no, I, you know, that's, yeah, unfortunately, that that's, all the rest are actual games. So, you know, we'll get okay. back to, 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 to non-heartfelt, you know, I'll okay, be back so, to the Grinch soon. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't emotions on this, do we? No. Exactly. No. Especially on nice so, ones. Grouching, complaining, and that sort of stuff, that's fine. <laughs> no, I have those. <laughs> okay, so shall, um, shall I do my number four? 
Yeah. Well, how about should we do now? Should we do number fifth worst? No. Let's, no? Let's, <laughs> okay. let's finish it on positive. <laughs> keep all the worst ones together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to do all the best and then we'll do all the worst. Okay. <laughs> okay, number four. It's not actually nothing to do with gaming, but to do with hobby. Okay. I discovered something that's called scale modeling. Scale modeling. Right. What do you mean? What by is that? that? Well, scale modeling is just miniatures which are just for painting. There's, they're not for games, but they're normally a bit larger. They're like 55 mil, 75 yeah. mil and busts. I get you. Also, you had GW never done those before? No. GW used to do busts, didn't they? At one point, I remember Space Marine and an org busts. Yeah. I think so, were, yeah. Did, yeah. So it was just like for fun thing, but... yeah. But I suppose, I mean, it has place. Do you have any examples you can show the audience? Uh, I have nothing painted. I only <sighs> bought one of them, one thing, and it's a knockoff. Anyway. <laughs> we'll talk about no! it later. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, it's a miniature which um, was done by painting Buddha, which kind of made me want to buy it. Yeah. It's a bust of Shield Maiden. Like from the TV series, Vikings. Mm-hmm. I never watched the TV series, but I really loved this sculpt, and I decided to get it. It's um, uh, well, I can't pull it out now, That's but fine. you know, it's, I'll show you something once I paint it. Probably, it's not good showing it on video anyway. Okay. <laughs> I don't think showing off a painted miniature would be better in video. Uh, not this kind of video. <laughs> not, not on this camera. Uh, oh, not on this camera. I was going to say, you went to this kind of video. I was like, what are you painting? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, it's the original was done by a company called Nuts Planet. And um, normally, it, Nuts Planet. Nuts Planet. Nuts. As in N U T S Planet. Nuts and Bolts. Okay. And um, it's called Shield Maiden. Okay, give me a second. I'm going to see if I can pull it up. Um... Yeah, this is a Google search everybody wants to do. (laughs) That didn't occur to me. I just did it. It doesn't come up nearly as dirty as I thought it would. (laughs) Oh, my. Uh, It's a bust. Hangar 18 models. So what's it called again? Shield Maiden. I found it. I found it. Okay, now let me get that into the stream for everyone, so they can, so those who want to can view it. I can't. Oh god, I can't believe I'm linking to. Welcome to Nuts Planet. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a porn site. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's, the Korean. Korean. That's the Shield Maiden for those interested who are watching on the stream. Okay, so. Welcome to Nuts Planet. <laughs> oh, it's, I'm there's no way they fun. don't know how that comes out. I, there's no way. Right? <sighs> Who knows? Yeah, so, but the company is Korean. But the one I bought was Chinese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about this later yes. in the show if we have time. <laughs> There's several other miniatures I um, 
kind of, well, figures which I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. One is called uh, Nocturna from Nocturna Miniatures. Okay. And another one is called Helga Blitzhammer. It's from Scale 75. It's sort of like a female blacksmith, steampunk blacksmith. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I kind of, I don't think um, scale models will replace miniature war games for me, but it's an interesting addition. Hmm. Yeah, so that was my number four. Okay. Um, mine is one that I know is on your mind for me is um, the fact that this year I experienced Guildball for the first time. Okay, that's my number one. Uh, Bill? <laughs> yeah, my, mine, that is in my list. Um, I'll just mention, uh, rather than us all to get into this, I'll just say what my experience has been, and then when it comes to you guys, you can say what yours has been, and therefore it's all fair for everyone. Um, it was only, I only played my first game in November, and that was a demo game with my friend Tom. Um, really very good game. Um, enjoyed it an awful lot. Um, since then, um, I have been gifted from um, an absolutely amazing mother-in-law a wide selection of things, including um, an entire fully functional morticians team. And it's like, I had a look online at how much that cost. I was like, holy bloody hell, that's an awesome present. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I've got them the starter set and, you know, the thing you do, the little bird thing and stuff. And yeah, that's really good. Um, as well as that, I've also I'm now been given um, what was it, a starter set for butchers and a starter set for alchemists. Like the reason being so that um, I then have something to spend money on rather than just having everything outright. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked and impressed. So going from being resistant and not <laughs> impressed with the models to yeah. three teams, at least at the starter set level. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm guessing your uh, your demo with Tom went well. It went really well. And <laughs> it's, it's something that I would like to do again, just not as a main game. So mm. therefore, I want stuff so I can play it as and when, but it will never it'll never be a main game for me because it doesn't scratch those itches that I need for a main game. But hmm. I very much enjoyed it an awful lot. So now what about when they get around to adding a campaign system? <sighs> Probably not. The thing I enjoyed about it was the game mechanics. I okay. so and so therefore and you know I do I do like the models, but I'm probably going to be painting them to look more fantasy and less periods. Well, they're, they're kind of fantasy already. Because I think more some, so. So in the case they, of the morticians, they took some liberties when design, you know. So <laughs> like with the morticians, I'm going to make fantasy. them look more undead rather than Okay, people. okay. So that sort of stuff. Man, so does that mean I have to do Guild Ball now? Richie said it no, 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 no. Yeah, no, well, we're both going to do Guild when, when you get now. round to Guild Ball, your turn. When you, then, then, well, it's, then, no, 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 it's, it's my number one. And it's, so let's, let's leave it for your number one. Let's, let's not, let's, I, I don't well, want no, to rip it away from you. It. It'll be faster <laughs> this way. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, look, I, I already do a whole separate podcast on Guild Ball. <laughs> I mean, what else? I'm not sure what else I can say. It has sucked me back into being a pundit. Um, honestly, I think I will be interested to hear most of the reviews of 2015 and see a lot of the lists that are coming out this month, being January, hmm. about uh, 2015 gaming. Because I am shocked, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, I am shocked.
by how quickly Guild Ball has grown yeah. and how well they have done as a company. Um, you know, the game is just going strength to strength and it's, it's growing gangbusters. Uh, the models I think are fantastic. It's the, it's one of the first set of models that even, I, so one of the comments I've heard repeatedly, and it's the first time I've ever heard this was that even people who don't know how to paint well or only paint the tabletop have found that their guild ball models still look better than most of their other models. Any idea and, why? Um, ideas, design, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I have some ideas and I've asked, um, Matt Hart about it a little bit and gotten his ideas. Um, I think some of it comes back to they're mixing textures mm. and yep. they're mixing the right texture. So, yeah. you know, it's not a model with mostly skin and clothes on or, but you have models that have skin and some armor and some belts. The details aren't so much that you have to pick the details out. Mm. And the types of textures that they're mixing across across the model are all things that take really simple paint schemes well. Yeah. Mm. So you can do some dry brushing on some of the areas, go back and do some quick base and highlighting on other areas and suddenly out of really basic techniques. It's not just so much about dry brushing. It's more like these miniatures are easy to side brush. Mm. Great, great example as well. Right. But, but more importantly, you can use a couple of basic techniques and the combination of one, two or three basic techniques in different areas of a single model, make the whole model look better than let's say a GW model where there's really only two or three textures on a space Marine, mm-hmm. right? Until you pick out extra details or even a lot of the Malifaux stuff, as much as I enjoyed my Malifaux stuff, there was lots of little bits to pick out. I enjoyed that. And then typically it was face and hands and some Western clothes or, you know, big bare chested guys with pants. And there really was only a couple of different things. They didn't do a lot of mixes and different textures. And I what, thought my Malifaux models actually looked pretty decent. You know, what kind of the game itself, what kind of surprised me, is even people who were skeptical about it, how it kind of weird it made them feel, you know, even the skeptics. Okay, so along that, I agree. Along that line, Richie's a great example. <laughs> yeah. um, Mike Marshall was a great example. I mean, the fact that Mike Marshall came out six months later and actually put a podcast out and the entire theme of one of his podcasts was I must be missing something because yeah. I didn't kickstart this. What is wrong with me? The fact that that, that was the thought process. Yeah. Yeah. It has gone crazy. I mean, and then I'm able to see a little bit of the insight cause they've, they've asked me to help out with a couple of things in the States. Nice. Um, the way that they are. So great example. I don't know if you guys know. They're holding a world championship in 2016, this yeah. year. Yeah. They are actually providing to the winners of six different global tournaments, Australia, U.S., Canada. The winner actually gets paid flights, uh, airfare, and hotel to come compete at the, at the world championship. Sweet. I have never in the entire time I've gamed heard another company do that. That explains um, 
the comment in the last episode of Gamers Lounge about mm. how um, what is his name? It would be funny able to come to London. Yes, that explains yes. that comment. Right. Well, I am in London, so. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's the thing, right? So in the UK, it's not that big of a deal because they're just going to provide you hotel stay if you win the tournament. But they're flying somebody from Australia. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, they're going through whatever they have to do to get, let it, let an Irish guy come in. I mean, I hear that's like, <laughs> no, that's right. But, but they're actually paying airfare. Um, so you have people coming in from Australia, you have people coming in from the U S and they're paying the airfare on the hotel to bring them in and let them compete. They're also doing like extra bounties to painting competitions. And I'm not sure how that yep. works because originally I thought, okay, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it. And then hold on. Oh, they said like first, second, and third, but there is no such thing really. There's like first, second, at least in here. And also, do they mean like in the categories, or do they mean overall? Because overall, I don't have a chance. You should email them. I'm not sure about that either, but I do know like the Crystal Brush has a first, second, third for the whole Crystal Brush, and then they have first, second, third in each of the categories. So I don't know if they're going to give the bounties for each of the categories. Originally, or originally or... here in UK at Salute, it was just first place for Salute, one overall okay. winner. That's it. And uh, later they sort of created a runner-up. I don't know if they're going to do it again, but um... yeah. I mean, for me, one of the things that one of, one of the things that did kind of sell me was I need to like the models. And up until the demo, I I actually didn't like the models. And nope. I think part of it is that I don't think they photograph very well. Whenever I look at po- pictures of people where people have done them, I look and I go, it doesn't look that good, personally. Um, and oh. likewise, I think that one of the problems they suffer from is that then the company itself, when they show product, they show renders. And I don't think mm. the renders look particularly good. But then you actually get them in your hand and you look at them and you go, actually, in person, these exist, these models look fantastic. Well, generally, I And that's the thing, so only judge. in November did I actually get to have one in my hands. Normally, so, I can judge what the miniature will be like just from the renders. But the bad paint jobs uh, can normally ruin models very much. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm not saying see, the paint I, jobs are bad. I'm not. It's just, a, but there are. Oh, I've examples. seen some bad ones. And I think you know, as well, you know, it's, you can't really see, in my opinion, from a paint job whether or not something is, for argument's sake, um, like you said, by texture or mm. because they've painted it on or because it's actually part of the model. And if it is part of the model, how deep is it, or is it, you know, is it light texture mm. and this sort of stuff? And a lot of when I looked at the renders, they reminded me in terms of texture depth, they remind me an awful lot of the Malifaux version 2 ones, which I did not get on with. Whereas actually, I get them in hand, I look at them in person, and they're much more akin to things like the Corvus Belly in terms of depth of texture and all this sort of stuff. And it's, yeah, and so, I mean, I've, I've, you know, building them and undercoating them and that sort of stuff I've been doing the last couple of weeks. Such an absolute pleasure to do. Lovely, lovely models. And I didn't even get to look at them personally properly until this November. See, it's funny. I had the exact same span of reaction as you. It just started higher up the spectrum. Yeah. You know, I saw the I saw the original renders and the first couple of painted models and went, "Those look amazing," <laughs> <laughs> and then have gone to, "They're even better than amazing." <laughs> and then I paint them and go, "Yeah, they're okay." <laughs> oh, don't be like that. I like your brewers. <laughs> Thank um, you. My brewers, I think, are. They are, if not well, one I, of the... I have a problem with the brewers. It's, it's these... 
They're what? not proper tartans. <laughs> they, they look nothing like tartans. Do you mean in general, as in the, the team or Oh, the kills, yeah, the kills, nice. I mean. Ah. And it's hard to paint tartan on them because of all of those stitches and the, you know, splits in, in the actual fabric. Yep. So, I will probably get tested to still. See, and you notice I don't say I, I, I did a tartan. I got my um, <clears throat> my plaid paint scheme from Phil. So if it looks bad, I blame it on Phil. If it looks good, I'll take I'll take uh, any kind of compliment on how I painted it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So let's now, Bill, you're number four. Oh, I thought I just did Guild Ball. Oh, was you, okay. You've done Guild Ball. Okay. Oh, well, yeah. In that case, Andre, you're number three. <laughs> uh, well, my you just did three... Guild Ball. <laughs> well, no, Guild Ball was my number one. So my number three was Infinity, and I already sort of gone through it. So <laughs> okay. So I do my number three. Yeah. My, yeah. Num- my number three is I don't know, this is possibly surprising, but I'm hoping I think I think Bill you might possibly agree with this. Um Exploding Kittens. Mm. You know I didn't have that on the list, I but I, I don't disagree with you. I really enjoyed that game. I played it over the summer and it was such a good party game. Yeah. So 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 much fun. And you know, I mean very little. The learning curve is tiny on it, but the enjoyment is straight up there, straight away. It's the first game that I have ever gotten that actually holds true to its marketing pitch, right? Yeah. And what is it? You can learn this game in fifteen seconds and two minutes to play, or whatever. I mean, it's it's something. You know, it's it's you can learn it in a very short amount of time and play it just as quick. Exploding kittens, they did a really good job on. Yes. Really. Now. Well, I know justified. nothing about this game. Do you know what it is, Andre? It's a, some sort of card game, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's a party <laughs> card game. It's um, oh. yeah, it's really hard to describe. I can't really think how you. Just, how, they but, talked about it a lot on uh, Gamers Lounge, but that didn't make me understand the did, game any better. So. He doesn't listen to it to, to <laughs> what I record with my yes, wife. I did. It was my wife yes, and I, I that talked. <laughs> okay, so it's Russian roulette and cards. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, that's really good. That's a good way of putting it. Um, yep, it's actually, Russian roulette like, with cards. If you like exploding kittens, then there's a similar game called Kittens in a Blender. I just played that. I played that over Christmas, and another really fun game. It, kittens in a Blender is more complicated than Exploding Kittens, and I wanna. I know it's easy to say it must be because you're basically abusing more cats. That makes these two games great, but very similar party party type game, and a lot of fun as well. Andre, if you like kittens in a blender, I think you'd really like. I, I, no, I just heard about it. That... Oh, okay. And the great thing about kittens in a blender, just without only just hearing about it, it follows the rule, which I have. I believe in this rule very honestly. That there are very few words or sentences that do not sound instantly cooler when you add on in a blender at the end. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. <laughs> you know, Blood Bowl is a really good game in a blender. <laughs> Blood Bowl in a blender. Yeah, that just became a horror movie. Speaking of Blood Bowl, you, you, you have a co-host who's like heavily into it, isn't it, Bill? Yes, I do. I do now. Mm. So... What do you think his opinion would be of this Blood Bowl coming back probably 2016? And You know, I can't speak for Spencer. I think he's very excited about it. Um, I know he's excited about it. 
Um, we're actually going to talk about that at some point. Mm. Uh, okay. One he's, of the things that he, yeah, well, it, it it is. It's a. I mean, I don't. I play Blood Bowl on the Xbox and on computer on on the Xbox, not even on my computer. So my experience with Blood Bowl has all been in a video game. Mm. Um, Blood Bowl. I can see issues going back to that earlier topic, right? I can see issues with GW bringing back Blood Bowl as a specialist game because the community has already moved on and doesn't need GW anymore. So they're fighting the players that they want. Let me rephrase that because GW doesn't want players. Uh, The people who would spend the most money on the game already have other sources for their models and have already moved on with a rule set. So I'm not sure that GW can actually, I don't have faith personally that GW can, can develop a rule set for the game and update it. That is as good as what the community has already done. Well, I hope they do well with this, to be honest, because I think GW fulfills a very important role in the miniature world. Basically it's recruits people, which then move on to better things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think mean. that's a whole. I, I I understand exactly what you're saying, but I think that's. I a think whole the topic. whole industry will suffer if uh, GW will go. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would pause it, and I don't want to get into this long. It's a much bigger discussion, but I would pause it that that was true five or eight years ago, and is not true today. I think if GW disappeared today, nothing would happen. <laughs> not nothing. But I don't think it would have a negative impact on on the gaming okay. industry. Besides, I mean, their IP is strong enough; someone would just buy it, you know. Right. Like Disney, Disney. Like yeah. Disney, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then we would have GW, 40K, Age of Sigmar stuff everywhere. There'd be mm-hmm. movies. There'd be theme parks. Their movies would have spinoff movies. Yeah, the Ever Queen would be like a, a Disney princess. <laughs> They'd have princesses. Yeah. You know, space marine princesses. <laughs> wow. According to, you know, the average internet, that wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Because after all, according to my Twitter feed, the latest Star Wars films are the best things ever. So... Well, I, I heard some bad things about it as well. I mean, story-wise. But generally... And let's not forget that's think... owned by Disney, so... Mm. The thing is... I'm going to sort of uh, do a comparison with Final <laughs> Fantasy VII game. Okay. It's okay. the power of nostalgia. Yeah. They kind of captured the setting of the I mean, original. I have, I have yet to see the new Star Wars film, so I have to be really? honest here. Yeah, I, they I'm not a Star Wars fan, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait that... until it comes on TV. I have no interest. And I've, heard, I've, I've been told the spoilers because I'm not a big fan. I don't really care. So... I, um, I am a big Star Wars fan. Um... Waited to see it. My daughter and wife and I went to see it the Monday after it opened, mm-hmm. and I've only seen it once so far. Um, my opinion, purely my opinion, is, and funny enough, my wife is a huge Disney fan, so this was a big point of contention mm-hmm. with us. She came, We came walking out, and she was expecting me to blow up about how much Disney had ruined Star Wars. And she was disappointed. <laughs> She was disappointed. Actually, I, I came out, and I'm, I'm very positive on the movie. I think the movie was fantastic. I actually can see the point and agree with some of the things Lucas has said. I can see 
the detractors and all the people who talk about all the plot holes and stuff. But I also agree. Um, I believe it was on the D6 generation. I believe it's um, Total Fangirl, Russ's wife. But I thought that she had one of the best, if that's where it came from. If not, this is a bad attribution to to this quote. But I heard a really a quote I really liked about the new Star Wars, which is, you had the original Star Wars, the, the 4, 5, and 6. And people grew up on that. It was like their favorite restaurant. Yeah. Then 1, 2, and 3 came out, and it was like going to your favorite restaurant for dinner, and your favorite restaurant took the entire menu, left all the names of all the dishes the same, but now served it low-fat with no sugar and all sugar substitutes. It was similar, but it was lacking something. Yeah. And that the new film was the same restaurant bringing their menu back to the original menu and adding a little more butter here and there. Well, right. It's, you didn't get a lot new, but it was what everybody wanted and was so close to what everybody remembered. Well, their setting of the original film was like very strong and they, it's, it's, they made the setting feel like the original film. That's what it's about. Oh yeah, Wait, look, like with I, Final I, I, Fantasy, it was the fantasy. There's, I mean, story wasn't particularly strong in Final Fantasy VII, but it's the setting which sort of captured anyone. And now that Final Fantasy VII is coming back, yeah, right, it's kind of got a lot of people excited. Excited, you know. And I heard plenty of complaints about the fact that this is the first movie. You know, this is episode. You know, episode seven is episode four with the cool stuff from every other episode. Okay, I get that. But I do think it was the it, it was an appropriate move. Now, what I pointed out to I my wife. I expect a lot of snow in the next film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I pointed this out to my wife. So we walked out and uh, we were talking about that. And she was like, I'm really surprised. I thought you were going to say they ruined it. And then as we're sitting, waiting to you know for everybody to get together in the family, um, there was a mention about how there are not only two more Star Wars films coming, but two or three Rogue Squadron films and three Han Solo films and all of the next... movies. Oh yeah. There's, there is something like six to eight Star Wars movies coming in the next four years, four to five years. And my That's wife awesome. looked at me and went, Oh, in video, they'll be able to see, I don't know how well you can see my face, but she made this face. She goes, Oh my God, why would they need to do that? <laughs> and I turned to look at her and I went, and that's Disney. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, what that's... I thought. That's Disney. Oh, I saw like a really interesting parody, some flash animation about uh, Disney where he got frozen in a cryogenic chamber, like Han Solo. Oh, no. And they've sort of woke him up in like 50 years. And uh, there was like Star Wars number 30 something <laughs> straight to DVD. <laughs> that's better than the um, one I'm, I'm aware of. I think it's um, a it's Family Guy, where because you have to remember that um, Walt Disney um, was a uh, Nazi sympathizer. Yep. And um, the, the sketch is simply him being woken up out of um, deep freeze. First thing he says is, "Right, are the Jews gone yet?" And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, "No, right, back to sleep." Oh, so that's quite not so, so suitable. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, speaking of which, there's a very good sort of parody review. Of uh, Star Wars, uh, well, the new one, I forgot what's it, what's it called? 
New Force Awakens. Awakens. Force Awakens. And um, this, it's the guy is called Nostalgia Critic. He's, a, he's, on, he's on YouTube. It's his YouTube channel. And uh, they sort of mixed uh, Star Wars Force Awakened with Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, God. And they called it Star Wars Hanukkah Special. Oh, <laughs> that can't be good. Oh, you know that chandelier with <laughs> yeah. a, what's it called? The menorah? Yeah. yeah. The, instead of candle, it had lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you, you should you know, ch- check it out at some point. It's uh, Nostalgia Critic uh, Star Wars Hanukkah Special. <laughs> nice. So, moving on. Right. <laughs> moving on. Come on, we've had enough bloody Star Wars. It's all, bloody, all the TV and the internet. Let's, let's, exactly. Let's move on oh, to something else. Just one more thing about this thing. <laughs> You know that they got Marvel now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, what they're saying is basically they got now rights to Thor. Yeah. And Thor is uh, a son of a king. Mm, yes. Yeah. And uh, they sort of. He's also the daughter if you if you read some of the latest ones. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they thought Thor is now a woman in the latest comics. <laughs> yeah. So does that mean Thor is a Disney princess? Yes. Yes. That's yes, horrible. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and we just okay. killed off two of our listeners. <laughs> mm, what, all two of them? All two of them. <laughs> that was that was one more than yours. <laughs> Ooh, burn! Exactly, there's no burn there, I admit that. <laughs> but that's what you said, there's only one of them. There's only one. If I only have cater to one listener, I'm good. That's still too many listeners. <laughs> and we, we had... Do till last minute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so, um, oh. so so my my number three was exploding kittens. Bill, yes. your next one. Um, of course, nothing here is in order. So let me just let me just start to yeah. Let me do this. So I've I've mentioned it. I am highly impressed by this. How familiar are you guys with the X Wing cooperative campaign, the Heroes of the Aturi Sector? Not at all. I just heard about it, but that's it. Okay. So I'm not really into X-Wing, that's the thing. And I get that, but for both of you love campaigns. Mm. If you understand, and what I would do is I would say, I would recommend for you two this. Look at how X-Wing plays, just what they did. And Richie, I know you spent time looking at mm-hmm. X-Wing with the, with the, um, the movement system and everything yeah. else. I mean, um, my wife and I play um, Star Trek Attack Wing, and they use the exact okay. it's, the rules are almost identical. So, so if you play, so go out and download. It, it's a free download. Mm-hmm. I am so impressed, partially because it's not a official product. Oh, really? This is a fan made product, and when you download it, um, let me see if I can open this and share share my screen. Um, Tell me if this works on the video. I'm pretty sure it will. I just have to figure out how to share my screen. I understand how it makes you feel, Bill, because um, I saw some really, really good uh, fan-made campaigns for Mordheim, like the Border Town Burning. And is this campaign being, even though it's not officially created, is it being officially supported? It's supported uh, really well. They've done some. Yeah, it's this. supported well, but it's not official. Right. 
But they have some such a great factions there. They have ogres. They have chaos dwarfs. They full screen. It's set sort of like in Darklands. Hmm. No, I meant the X-wing one. Oh. Right, right. Oh, here we go. Share screen. Okay, so if you look on my screen, oh wait, I have to tell <laughs> to start. Well, oh, here it help. comes. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Let's see if I can make this big enough for you to see okay. it. This is the rule book. If anybody's watching the video, yep, that they put together. That's nice. Um, there's a full set that you can get in two different compressed zip files. One that has everything at uh, 8.5 by 11, so you print it on your printer. Mm-hmm. One that has everything on, I think it's a, a 12 by something, um, so you can actually send it to a print shop. So, for example, here is a new terrain file that you basically print this stuff out. We laminated it. Uh, you could print it out and glue it down onto sort of a cardboard mm. and cut it out and it works as new terrain. Uh, stat cards and an AI system built in for the enemy ships that actually works it is very easy to use and still replicates a pretty good, uh, there it is, the AI system. It actually replicates pr- fairly well a human player playing while still being uh, a bit unpredictable. So it's not always making the best decisions, but it's making good decisions. Mm. Yeah, just overall, they did... We've only played a couple of games. um, We're three, four, five, five or six games in to the campaign, the group that I've been playing it with. And um, we've been playing with four people, it scales. I it just, I really impressed with all the work they did on this. It looks really good. So, and uh, yeah, I think that would that would be in my whatever number we're on, number three. Yeah, number three. Mm-hmm. Okay, number now, two's Disha. Hey, and we're back. <laughs> <laughs> number number two. Number two. It hangs up on everybody. Right. For me, it's Painting Buddha YouTube channel. I can imagine a lot of people might be actually quite against them at the moment, assuming, because weren't they the ones who were holding things up for a Kickstarter? Yeah, for infamy. But, you know, to describe how useful these guys were to me is... mm, Because, you know, who else did, like, big good tutorials. Uh, Angel Geraldus did from... But the trouble is, I'm not interested in to- at all in uh, airbrushing. airbrushing. Yeah. So, and and the painting that... Buddha, they kind of showed me that I don't necessarily need one. Mm. So, and um, even like certain things which originally I thought won't be useful to me, like they, um, the last one they did is uh, Space Marine, the Heresy era Space Marine from the new box game, you know, GW did. And uh, just basic Ultramarine old style one. And I thought, okay, how I'm not going to use that. But I watched it anyway, and how wrong I was. Because they taught something which was called... Um... Oh, okay, I'm not describing it really well. You know, originally, when I started, like, blending, 
I used to blend highlights, which is kind of the most common way people do this. You know, you start, you know, you do your basic color, you do a wash and highlight. Mm -hmm. Then I kind of, when I sort of got more complicated, something I use till now is I find it more easy to blend shadows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now they showed me something else. You can blend middle, (laughs) the mid-tone. And (laughs) yeah, the, the, the benefits of that is... What you can do, you can make, you can paint on very sharp highlights. So basically, just to show you where the light falls on it. So that way, it's better for guessing. You know, do proper lighting it. You know, the way it's uh, lighted from, well, illuminated from. You know, like usually it's from the top. Yeah. And um, so you do like very strong highlight. You paint it on, and then blend the middle. You'd blend mid-tone, but the important thing is you have to sort of blend it from the shadow to the light. It's it's because of um, when uh, you make marks with a brush, you um, the the marks are stronger when the brush leaves the because you start making a mark, the mark is lighter. When you leave it, when the brush comes off, that's where it's stronger. Yeah, really. So yeah, yeah. So that's why the direction of the brush strokes is important when blending. And yeah, it's like okay, I didn't know that. And yeah, it works really well. Yeah. And uh, also another interesting one. Like I remember I told you about the painting of that X-wing from. Uh, yeah. No, not X-wing. Sorry, uh, Millennium Falcon from the X-wing game. Yeah, I remember that. And. Uh, they did, you know, the normal black base. They sort of painted a nebula on it. And then now I realize what I can use it for. Because um, I got uh, the... Uh, I forgot something in logistics box set from Alifo. It's Ironsides. The, the new master for Arkanist Ironsides. You're going to put her in space? Well, no. Uh, she comes with miniatures called... Uh, Oxfordian mages. And they have like huge energy effects. And originally, normally, like I thought, I'll paint some light energy kind of thing, glowing possibly. That's what most people did. But now I thought, hold on, no. I'm going to paint them dark and paint nebulas on them. Mm. It's like, if you can do a quick Google search, there's a... You know, there's a fantasy artist called Boris Vallejo. Yep. Uh... He's got a painting called Tell Me About the Cosmos. And uh, there's like an energy effect which looks like a nebula, and I think that would be perfect for painting Oxfordian mages. Now, you're going to put that under them, or are you going to put that like on their, on their cloaks oh, and everything? It won't be on the cloaks. It will be huge energy effects which come with them. Okay. There's like a weird like energy coming from their fingers with sort of huge things. Possibly put like on the inside of the cloaks as well, on at least one of them, the one which doesn't have energy effects, the sitting one with crossed feet in the air. I can't find it. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, painting Buddha is my number two of the best thing stitch. And that kind of finishes my list of uh, nice things, because I already did Guild Ball. Hey, Guild Ball! <laughs> Guild Ball was number one for me, so yeah. 
Okay, Richie, your number two. My number two. My number two. Um, is... You're grinning too much at this. <laughs> my number two is Tom's game. My number one is my game. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, so, since we recorded last, I've played um, a new in alpha. You're so modest, thing. Richie. What do you mean? <laughs> what? You're so the, modest. The, 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 my best experiences of the year. Yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. The, yeah, it's the, it's the game Moonstone, which I've been talking about excessively as much as I can on my blog. It is, I swear, this is the future of character-driven skirmish fantasy games. It is so much fun. It 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 takes all the boxes of Gilball, but more. It is so enjoyable. It really, really is. Um, I mean, it's, it's still in very, very. I think it's, I think it's technically even pre-alpha at the moment. Um, if anyone wants to look anything up, they can have a look on. I had it open a second ago. Uh, MoonstoneTheGame.com is the website. And so he actually shows some details there. Uh, well, at the moment, this has got some links to things like the Facebook account. That's sort of, but from the Facebook account, you can download the um, all the cards it's using, the rule book, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really good. I mean, Andre, I don't know. Do you do you, do you know much about Moonstone? No. No, I'll I'll explain very quickly for you. It's a game where it has two different mechanics. For it's well, it's a fantasy character, you know so-and-so, the so-and-so models. Um, you tend to play with about four models apiece. Um, at the moment, we are proxying with Lacquer models, so that's quite enjoyable. Mm. And um, it's got two different types of mechanics, one for spells and shooting, one for melee combat. And it plays around um, a bluffing mechanic, essentially. And so you have what they call the Arcane deck, which is for spells and shooting, and the Quiz Combat deck. Um, the Quiz Combat deck is quite complicated. We'll mention that now. But the, mess, the thing that makes it amazing is the bluffing through the Arcane deck. And the idea is you've got um, different colours. So you've got purples, uh, green, blue... So it's like scissors, paper, stone, kind of. Kind of. Um, so you've got these different colours, and then each colour goes from one to three in numbers... There's one three card, two two cards, and three one cards. And But you draw them from the same deck. So if I've got, say, the green colour number three, I know the opponent hasn't got it. There's only one in the deck. And basically, you declare certain spells require certain things. So your spell might say, um, I'm going to f- cast a fireball at you, and it requires a green card, and the damage is two times the number. So you could say, but you don't reveal the card, you just simply declare it, and you say, I've got a green three, so it's going to do two times that, it's going to do six damage. And you and you, the opponent look at your, your, your hand cards, and you go, ah, well I can see that I've got the green number three, so I know you're lying. So I'm going to call your bluff, and if you call it, and it is a bluff, the spell fails. Well, basically, I know there's a similar kind of card game where you declare a card. <laughs> And uh, you don't actually put the card which you declared, kind of. It's a proper card game with normal I cards. I don't, don't know. Not familiar. Or mm. like there's a game in Pirates of Caribbean, only it's with dice. You declare how many 
Five. I mean, this, this, these sort of these sort of things is, is using you know poke mechanics and this sort of stuff, and it is so enjoyable. And remember, it, it's not just about how good you are at bluffing as well, and good about doing maths. There's also the other side of it as well because you've got you know the uh, counter bluffs, whatever you call this. Um, so, for example, I am rubbish at bluffing. I'm terrible because as soon as I get some good cards, my light, my face lights up. And I'm terrible at that. Um, but one thing I'm very good at is the opposite. Where making it look like I'm bluffing when I'm not, and mm. so to the extent I'm playing the game, I'm playing against you know, my friend Tom, and he has no idea whether I'm lying or not because I'm just putting on this. I look like I'm bluffing 100 percent of the time, and the, rule, and the rule goes with that: is that if you if you um, if the person calls a bluff and it's not one, then you get to cast the ability again. Mm. And okay. so therefore, so I'm doing this. I'm playing this game, and he's like, I don't know if I want to call it off because you know, right now you're about to do a spell that could be dangerous, could not be. But if I call, if I say you're bluffing and you're not, because you look like you are, but <laughs> so it's it's a, so it's such an enjoyable game. It is so okay. much fun, and it's yeah, it's it's. I swear, it's going to be the next big thing. It really is. <laughs> okay. So and we are going to have a mincha line. Oh, okay. That is the plan. The plan is to actually have a mincha line this time. <laughs> this time, he says. Yeah. Okay, nice. Phil, your number two. My number two, or lack thereof. <laughs> uh, let's go with Kingdom Death. Okay. I, I mean, really, Guild Ball would have been up higher than these, but, you know, the the one of the two I haven't mentioned yet. So, uh-huh. Kingdom Death. I, this is... This is very appropriate since it follows up with Richie just had to say. I think the system in Kingdom Death, so anybody that doesn't know, this is the Kickstarter that took forever to come out. Uh, was put out by a private sculptor. Everybody seems to like his work. Uh, very adult themes, both uh, in sexuality and lack of clothes or nudity. And the poses. Uh, lots of people accused him of having too many Playboy poses. In uh, in his models, yeah, but that was um, like pinups and specials, which were not yeah. part of the actual game, really. Uh, oh, true, and, and, true, and not. There's plenty of pinup looking models in the game. <laughs> I think I might have told this already, <laughs> but uh, you know the reason why he did all those sexy pinups. He likes because they sell them. No, it's because sculptors like doing them in order to attract good. Uh, sculptors, he had to give them a job like this as well, in addition to the monsters of everything. Just so that otherwise it wouldn't work for them. That's his own words. I like like pin-up looking women. I mean, I I got nothing against... That's what sculptors (laughs) like to sculpt. (laughs) Right. And if he didn't um, give them commissions like that, they wouldn't work for them. You can't spell great without T and A. I like that. I like that. So so even beyond the models, right? Very expensive game. Very much a boutique game. The game itself, I have found to be brilliant. Now, if they could soften it a bit, I think this mechanically could contribute to one of the best miniature lined games. Now Mm. it's not really a miniature skirmish game. It's very much a miniature board game. Uh, It has role playing elements in it, but the way things play out in this 
everything from the cards that you use to flip to see what damage you do to the monsters to the cards that you use to and flip to see what what damage you've done, which is based on dice you roll. You know, just the whole way everything ties together. Every step of the way, it contributes to a story. Mm. So you could have not one narrative bone in your body. And if you were just to tell me the play-by-play of, I picked up my dice, this is my character, I'm attacking a giant white lion with human-like hands, I rolled my dice and hit three times, and let me read you the cards that describe my hits, and then two of those actually did damage. Let me describe to you off of, just read the card, what the actual damage is. Just that immediately contributes itself to a story. Yeah. And, um, and I, and that is brilliant. And then when you add to it, the aspect of you start, yeah, incredibly cinematic. Then you add the aspect of you start with your characters, your characters found a, basically they, they establish a settlement and then you are growing very civilization esque the way that that settlement goes and the types of decisions they built in. Now, this being a horror world, one of the first decisions most people have to make is somebody died while we were out fighting. Do we bury the body or gather resources? (laughs) I.e. eat the body because food is a resource, right? But that's one of the first things. And then that determines a fundamental uh, basically a fundamental philosophy of how your little village develops after that. Um, the first time you roll for people in your village to have children, you actually get given a choice. Do you put the children out in the dark to fend for themselves or does the whole village gather around and raise the children? Both have benefits. Both have some detriments and depending on which way you choose impacts the type of society you have. So like that level of, of stuff. And they're all very simple. Like at the time, each of the individual decisions is very simple. But then when you look back again, here's another game where we're maybe, I think we're five years in or six years and each year is one hunt. So we've been doing about two between one and two years, a, uh, a sitting. And that's in about a three to four hour sitting. I meant um, to ask you, if you, like, really screw up in a game where all you main for, like, the most top four characters dies, is it possible to sort of uh, pick up from there and still carry on the campaign? Or So our last game, all four of our highest level guys died. And we have their equipment, so we were able to recoup their equipment. We're basically going to put their equipment on another set of characters. We've lost out on development. So we have to rebuild the experience for that development. Our new heroes going out on the next mission are basically weaker. Um, I think the biggest, so yes, you can continue to go on. The biggest hit to us really is because we've done so well up till now. Most people have between one and three deaths a hunt. So, so every time they play, one to, one to three people die. 
Mm-hmm. So they constantly are trying to rebuild skills. We went five hunts without even having without having even one death. So we had guys that had far more skills earlier than most of the other groups I know that are playing Kingdom Death. So it's going to hurt us more because we're basically going to have to drop back to hunting smaller stuff for a bit till we build our skills back up. Because what my friend David says, you basically have to hunt stronger monsters as soon as you're able to hunt them. Oh. Because it's <laughs> it's not one of the games where you can just grind. Because you have limited amount of games before you face the Watcher. And that's where we're going to run in. There's only, I think, 20, 21 or Six. 25 years. 26. 26. Right. So we're five years in, and we just got reset to zero. Now, we have good on skills. We have good equipment. Mm-hmm. So we're already ahead on the equipment. But some of our, like, um, so, and the skills are a little wacky, too. So one of our characters um, had driven himself insane. Funny thing about this game, Horror World, you get an armor location on every part of your body, and then brain is another area you can take damage. Well, for example, if I put a breastplate on, I have a certain number of points of chest armor. And once a monster beats through the chest armor, then I'll take damage to my chest. And insanity is armor for the insanity mind. Insanity is armor for the brain. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, so you know, it's pretty good to run around with two or three points of insanity. He happened to have somewhere like 17. So <laughs> he was very insane. Um, there used to be, like, insanity, optional insanity rules for more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they yeah. were really simple, but... Well, this is kind of funny. Like, we we ran into a situation. We saw the downside of the insanity pretty consistently. We've seen good sides. The downside was we come across a river, and, you know, they said it's water. Does anybody want to drink? And as a note, if anybody is insane and has the compulsion to drink, they must. And then it's like, ooh, let him drink first. He already has to. (laughs) (laughs) But, um... So from that standpoint, he was insane, but he also was able to dual, um, he was ambidextrous, so he got benefits for dual wielding weapons, and he had a, both a skill and a part of his insanity where he was a rage addict, so once he took so much damage, he would flip out and hit harder. He could also trigger that to become almost like a berserker in the game. All those were good. So what we've now lost is we lost a guy with his insanity who's ambidextrous. But we still have his two axes. So somebody else can pick the two axes up. They just don't get the benefits from the two axes until they build back up those skills. But who actually picked the equipment up since all four of them died? (laughs) We didn't ask. Yeah, <laughs> Look, when we this this was this was you got to understand how devastating this is. We didn't know what we were dealing with, and even John, who's played some solo games, um, kind of was expecting this much earlier. Everybody else I've talked to has again one to three deaths out of four players. Every single not game session sitting down, but every mission, they have people dying. We. We walk through our first encounter with what's called a nemesis encounter without anybody dying. Everybody else is like, well, we just sacrificed two guys and let the guy go oh, away. Were you visited by, uh, what is it? Uh, the butcher. The butcher? Yeah. And we mm. 
excuse my language, and I don't say that much, we beat that bitch down. Uh, there's something called the king's man, and he's much more difficult. And what you really yeah. need to beat him first time, otherwise he'll come back second time much harder. Well, that's and the, the problem. Yeah, the, the problem with king's man, with king's man, he damages your weapons. You can break a lot of weapons. <laughs> yep. And we have had that. We have some fragile weapons. And again, fragile weapons that hadn't broken. Like we, I kept making the joke that we were in the Disney World side of Kingdom Death. You know, we were in the happy, sunshiny side. Um, but so I, but the game itself is absolutely incredible. The models are beautiful. The amount of stuff you get for the $400. Which is, is uh, uh, but that is a big. That's a big well, ass. My, I don't know how much David spent on this game. He spent something like around 300 pounds. That's about what? I can see that. There's additional add-on stuff. Yeah, Yeah, but he's got the game in pretty much every expansion except for Slenderman. He's got everything. He's got Dragon. He's got Gorm. He's got uh, Sunstalker. Did you say there's there's a Slenderman? Yeah. As in the Slenderman? Uh, I don't know, but he, he didn't got that one. That was the going last to one. Internet, didn't... Going to it, I need to see if that's the Slenderman. If so, that's pretty awesome. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Basically, you can't look at him or you'll die. Oh, no, Slenderman! <laughs> o- only white speakers can uh, fight him because. That's... Holy shit! This is him. <laughs> yeah, that's you hilarious. Should... Should probably put this up in the uh, for our video listeners. That is hilarious. Let's okay. Let me put that on there. So let's do. But yeah, I, the game is fantastic. What I would love to see, <laughs> I'm enjoying playing this game, and and I like the version that's out there. I would like to see a version that, like a high a high fantasy version. Mm. Right. So, oh, there so, will be one because basically this is the first game where it's like you're on the very bottom of the thing. The second game will be about heroes. Okay, so so hold on and let me go back to what I mean. I, I get what you're saying, and that will be a higher level, like an elite level. When I say high fantasy, I don't mean from a everybody has magic and all the heroes are big heroes. What I mean is, give me some traditional Elmore dragons. Give me okay. some traditional orcs and trolls and yeah. monsters like that. Yeah, uh, because take... this is gothic chic, isn't it? <laughs> right. Well, and then look at some of the combat cards. Like I, the the classic combat card. I, I don't know if I can if I can find it to actually read the language. But like, there is a card that talks about the fact that um, on a critical hit, you with your bare hand, reach under the lion and rip its junk off. It's, it's nuts or it's, it's balls and penis or what I mean. Like it, it is raw language and that's one of the attacks. I critical, I hit it in its junk. I critical hit, which means I, with my bare hand, I reach under and rip its junk off and I pe- I become the prime target for the rest of the uh, encounter because it's pissed at me until I'm dead. Yeah, that's so a bit take, hardcore. You want to hear something? Want something a bit more soft? This is too hardcore. <laughs> well, and that's what I mean, right? So For take, family, take some of those down, mm. kind of soften that up so that you could play it with a family, and then 
you know, take out some of the, you know, instead of saying, you know, do you eat the people that the dead body you brought back or bury it, give it, soften that up somehow. So if you do that a little bit, then it becomes an incredible game that can be played with, with younger kids. It's a great role playing mix of a game, you know, along those lines. You know, the famous fairy, fairy tales, they actually, they've been really softened down because the oh, yeah. original ones are so nasty. Exactly. Like, and that's what has to happen here. Like, uh, you know, the Red Riding Hood, the mm-hmm. Red Riding Hood, the wolf, um, basically he, he, he not just eaten her grandmother, he cooked her. It's actually described how he cooked oh, yeah. her. Yeah. And then, then, uh, then Red Riding Hood came in, he actually offered her, you know, the cooking. The cooking, yeah, the bowl. Yeah, and the cat was trying to the cat was trying to warn her that that she's eating her grandmother, and uh, you know the the wolf killed the cat, and then um, he basically rapes and eats Red Riding Hood. That's the end of story. Yep. And was it um, Hansel and Gretel? No. Of course, they do get away from the witch, but before they do so, they cook and eat the witch. Yes. Uh, No, there's more to it. Basically, the reason they escaped from their parents. Is because their parents wanted to eat them, and uh, because it was like really hungry time. And the house, the witch's house, it wasn't made from like cakes. It was just you know like flatbreads, you know. Mm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the, the, basically, when they cooked the witch, they brought her home, so their parents no longer had to eat them. Right. Mm-hmm. So I oh, did a little wait, looking wait, wait. online. I can't I can't find the the harsher cards, but here's what I mean by the damage cards, right? If I hit these are on the white line, so these would be specific per monster. If I hit the white lion with my character, one of the things that comes up is this card called a be- the beast's brow, which means you've hit the you've hit the monster on his brow. Mm-hmm. There is a reaction if I wound him that then says, reading it right off the card, reaction wound. So if I'm successful at wounding him, snarling, the monster swats at its attacker. Attacker suffers one brain damage, perform the basic action, which is a basic attack, targeting the attacker. And then it says, but if I do a critical wound, Mm -hmm. cancel the wound reaction, the white lion's vision is impaired. The white lion gains a negative one accuracy token. That's a damage card. So nothing if I miss. Now, the other thing they can do is some of them will say, you know, reaction if you miss. Yeah. It'll do this. Um, Beast's femur is the other card they're showing here on the site I found. Uh, the blow lands on the monster's leg. There's no nothing unless you critical wound. Critical wound Bruise the bruise the white lion's femur, crippling its graceful movement. It gains a negative one movement token. Gain one random white lion resource. So just think about stringing a bunch. You know, mm. you you roll four dice, you hit two times, you string those two together. You now have a story just in that one swing of mm-hmm. weapons. Yeah. Just taking what's on the card. Well, uh, also the problem with this is like. You have to play a lot, lot of games before you get to the Watcher, and the Watcher is like really hard. And if you lose, what you have to start from beginning, is it really? 
Well, unless it's at the, if you're at the end, you're at the end. You don't have to start at the beginning. You just, like, you continue to move forward. We are still in year six or seven, wherever we are. Because what David told me, it's better to fight uh, Watcher early on because he gets less wounds. Ah. Yeah, I haven't looked. So on Kingdom Death, John has played ahead because he actually is the one that owns the game. Um, I, I'm actually coming in fresh every time we sit down. So I'm getting to experience this as basically a campaign, which is really cool. Also, there will be an expansion called uh, the Lantern Festival, which is it's actually very depressing. Basically, it's going to end badly for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> basically, he uh, the, the being called described. Basically, the king is just a puppet. It's the scribe who is like really behind everything. He's the one who starts these communities and villages and this kind of seeds of life. He waits for them to grow and then he harvests them. Yeah, that's Kingdom Death. Yeah, that that uh, is in a in a nutshell. That is the game. You are at the bottom of the uh, food chain. Okay. Right. Okay. So that was that was my quote unquote number two. Okay. Andres. Number Done. one was Guild Ball. We're, yeah, so Richie. Yeah. No, 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 a little bit more for Guild Ball. So what is it What is it in particular that you really like for Guild Ball? Well, I already said. <laughs> okay, um, but I mean... In previous so podcast. Have you, have you now... So have you, how, much, how much do you have of a collection of Guild Ball? Well, I, uh, originally I got my Fisherman's Guild mm-hmm. and the, the rule book. And my friends got a rule book and uh, uh, Brewers. And we both paid like... 110 pounds for everything, so it's 55 each. Yeah. Then I was lucky enough to win the gold competition, so that gave me complete Mason's team and the Butcher starter. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And have you had any games yet? No. (laughs) No, okay. (laughs) So, in case after this, uh, the entrance (laughs) joke thing, if... uh, (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> the guild of uh, rules lawyers decide to sort of challenge me. I'm going to tell them all I got is two goals and a fucking rat <laughs> or a fucking otter. <laughs> yeah. Totally well, didn't I... get that. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was I got that's... nothing to play with. That's, let's put it this way. Right, okay. Sorry. I'm doing, to my, I'm doing commissions for David at the moment for. For Kingdom Death miniatures, of all things. Oh, so your time's and a bit I, busy right now. They're not for playing. They're like the pinups and the. Oh, okay. Well, not pinups. They're like special things, like messengers and uh, things like uh, wide speaker and uh, Twilight Knight mm. and things like that. Not the game pieces, just the for fun stuff. Yeah. And uh, I got to admit, I'm not a fan of the miniatures. Oh. Really? Uh, well, the design, they look interesting, but they're really hard to paint because the detail on them isn't very clear. Oh, really? These plastics, oh. they're like... I don't know if anyone remembers the old uh, Malifaux stuff, like Jacob Lynch's original <laughs> yeah. versions, the one which was a Gen Con, not the one with... I, not the retail one. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have... It's kind of much lighter plastics when the you know the lighter it gets the the more memory it has you know it's kind of the detail is less sharp and that's what's happening with Kingdom Death miniatures they um, 
they're uh, the much the kind of light really light plastic. And the, yeah, and the detail on them is kind of. <laughs> I thought it was uh, resin that you got with. Um, well, the Monster. resin, the only resin miniature I got was the illuminated lady, which I already painted for him. Mm. But the other miniatures, they're plastics. Okay. I didn't know they were all plastic, but I'm actually really surprised. The sprues that I've looked at, I, and I'm not an expert on plastics, but it felt like um, sort of the the dense. GW or no, current, um, no, current... they're very detailed. They're very detailed, but uh, yeah. sort of there's no sharp edges on them. Mm. So it's very shallow uh, detail. Yeah. Well, no, it's, I wouldn't say it's very shallow. It's like if there's like a sharp edge, it's sort of slightly smoothed. Right. That's the problem I find with it, and uh, it's kind of hard. Also, things like eyes. Uh, there's, it's very and uh, the the, you know, you have your eye. And then this kind of line which surrounds the eye isn't very clear. So after I undercoated it, I basically have to sort of guess where they are <laughs> and make a mark, and that, okay. that's the eye. That... Now, I have a um, – I think I have a Kingsman. I John gave me one of the models he got extras of. I haven't put it put it together yet or looked at it very close, Richie, so you, you I want need one to. one of the Kingsman? Uh, I don't even know what they look like. Give me a second. Kingdom Death Kingsman. Oh, hello. Well, it's, it's like a... That's a very nice looking model. Yeah, the next time I see you, if I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring one to see. Yeah, that's They're the dude I beautiful. have. Beautiful. I um. So yeah, you can I'm... have one, Richie. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> do you, do you, Andre? Are you finding that it's all of the models? are lacking in that uh, detail or the soft, you know, they don't have the sharp edges, or is it the non-Kickstarter models? Well, those are Kickstarter models, and those were... The the miniature which I had problems so far with is called uh, one of the Messenger, the one which looked like Link, female Link from Zelda. Okay. Messenger of something. Uh, That's the problem with the eyes, I mean... I kind of sort of managed to kind of solve these problems, but they, these models, I find them difficult. And, you know, it's the few things which I find difficult, you know. Right. I, I mean, I'm the guy who likes to do things the hard way. Mm. <laughs> so and if I find something... <laughs> if something makes me struggle, then... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, passionate. I agree. Yeah, and I mean, with Guild Ball... Uh, oh, speaking of Guild Ball, Guild Ball is something I'm very... A lot more Guild Ball is something I'm very much looking forward to in 2016. Why is that? Basically, well, obviously, there's um, the second... Uh, uh, well, the second book, basically, which will have campaign, but it'll be very original campaign. They're kind of they're doing something completely different than everyone else did. And they also... Oh, is, that really they, look, is that introducing the Hunter's Guild as well? Yeah, that's introducing Hunter's yep. Guild, which I really uh, will probably most likely buy absolute <laughs> when they release them. And also the alternative mode of play. Have you heard about it, Bill? Yeah, I don't know what it is yet, but I know they're going to have I it. think I got an idea. Yeah? What do you think? What they said about it is going to be a skirmish game. <laughs> Bill, what do you think? 
Huh? It already is a skirmish game, isn't it? Yeah, no, but it's, it's a, sports it's a non-sports. Game. They're talking about making. Uh, they have talked in the past about doing a full-blown skirmish game, not a not a sports-based game. Okay, the one where they want to actually trying to kill each other. <laughs> so the objective will be less. The or there might be multiple be objectives, right? Mm. No, no goals, mm. and you're okay. actually playing the characters out. Um, you basically uh, you do the dirty work for the guild. That's what yeah. you do. <laughs> Right. Okay, that's interesting. Because guild ball is a way for a guild to sort of sort out the difference without yeah. violent way, but there is always the violent way. Well, yeah. I mean, I was when I was, I mean, okay, I, my experience so far has been very limited. But I mean, what was it? Um, well, what am I saying? Non-violent, but it's just two, less violent. Yeah, two, I think was we played two games. One of them was won by goals. The second one was won by beating the crap into the opponent. Yeah. So how is that different? Well, uh, people usually survive by the end of this, but <laughs> and also, you know, guilds dirty work like assassinations and things like that, and mm. uh, okay. because lots of dark stuff actually happens off the game. Like if you read the fluff, you know, people no, die. <laughs> yeah, I could see. I mean, if that's the way they're going, how is it different? Um... Guild ball is guild ball is always going to be played on a pitch, mm. right? With goals, uh, not heavily. I mean, even if it's city ball, you're not really going to have it super heavily terrained and all that stuff. So I see it as the difference between guild ball with a ball and yeah, there will be no ball. Malifo, no- right? You know, here's some new objectives, and you're playing. Well, again, it would then be a competitor to Moonstone. Yeah. And Malifaux. And Malifaux. How does Malifaux with a ball sound? <laughs> if we're talking about version 1.5, that sounds interesting. <laughs> sounds like an interesting, uh, interesting twist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Speaking of which, you know that uh, they're doing like a unit size game with... What's a unit-sized an... game? Huh? What's a unit-sized game? Well, it'll be like units rather than single miniatures. What do you mean by like units? larger scale. But as in... I, I, I get confused from all of these. 40k. 40k is larger scale. So army scale. Small army scale, not like big army scale. Like 40 <laughs> miniatures but per side, maybe under... 40? Okay, right, okay, that's... I've no actually. What is forty k now? Is that like two hundred or something? I have no idea. Well, apocalypse is, but okay, cause forty still sounds like a lot to me. Basically, it's a game with units rather than single miniatures, small units. Right, like squads. Squads, yes. Squads. Right, yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. And sorry. Uh, it's still set in Malifaux universe, only it's not in Malifaux. It's Earthside. This was the oh, announcement. Yeah. yeah, they made this year. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of which, I think there's been they released one um, PVC miniature, okay, called Ionus. It's a miniature which made from PVC plastic, right? And I got it. Okay. What do you think? Why why go to PVC over hips? Probably because they'll do, they'll be doing units. Cheaper way to doing it because it's cheaper because it's a miniature which goes on medium base. It was fifteen dollars and it's so like what's old it man perched. 
It's called Ionos. How do you, how you spell that? Uh, oh, is this the guy with the... The clock, clock. guy. Yeah. yeah. Although, so, I have to say, these are very fine PVC miniatures. So, Andre, who, who... What would you compare it to? Who? What other game or company would I look at to figure out what PVC plastic is? Well, uh, Zombicide is doing PVC, but... Uh, I remember I used to have like problem with the details of zombie side miniatures. It's the same type of plastic, but so it's, it's that, very okay. very fine detail PVC. I don't know if that was possible what they did. It's a very very fine PVC. So it's that softer rubbery. I wonder if it's that's It's kind of softer, yeah. It is softer, yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's what the plastic that uh GCT used for Rise of the Kaja Cage. Maybe. Kage. Kage. It's Mayagi, not Mayagi. Yeah, at, at, at this point, it's just not even worth it's, it. It's more worth it to say it wrong. <laughs> Makes me smile. Exactly. Yeah, but um, I'm actually looking really forward to painting oh. that. It was pre-assembled. That's what bothered me. I managed to sort of chip it off the clock. Cut it off the cloth. Wow. He's there, yeah, the prayer assembled there. Yeah. Oh, that's surprising. Mm. I mean, while we're on the subject, I have to say, I'm very... I remember when they first announced it, that was this year, wasn't it, they announced that? Yep. So, and I remember very confused by the whole concept of it, because last time I checked, one of the reasons when they first did Malifaux was because they have more creativity reign, and they have more you know, unusual stuff they can put into the game by having it set on Malifaux than having it Earthside. And it seems really... And, and, but they, but well, in, in, in the first book, they it, so. did talk about what life was like Earthside. And the whole thing was, it's like Malifaux, but with less magic and a lot less interesting stuff going on. So it seems really strange to then turn around and say, actually, this place where we decided was going to be less interesting, let's set our next game there. Well, that that's is sort strange, of the storyline forward. Maybe there's like uh, portals open and all these monsters spewed in and then magic spewed in. Uh, who knows? It just, maybe maybe me, the Malifaux is a safe place. That, for me, was the first thing that struck me as unusual. And then, of course, again, you've a very interesting reading a lot of people's reactions online to it, going, oh, wow, it's fantastic. We get to finally learn what it's like Earth science. Like, I don't know what it's like Earth science. They discussed it in book one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That is interesting. I mean, yeah, it could, it could oh, be exactly like you're saying. Which, it could be to do one with... One thing I want to mention, that yeah. sort of, it didn't get in my top five list, but it's worth mentioning. The uh, weird uh, missing bits service. It's okay. like on a completely new level. Because... Obama what, used to be very, very good, so... Well, it, I don't know about before, but now it's excellent. Because what they, they do something nobody else did, and then I had some other miniature bits missing. <laughs> but... They kind of uh, send you a message every bit of the way. Like, okay. yeah, we got your message first. Then, like, we're preparing to send it. And then the thing is, like, we sent it. Hmm. They're also being quite apologetic. And also, they sent it by, like, priority mail. So I got it, like, within a week. That's good. So... No, bravo! I mean, I think that's and this that's is this fantastic. was this was after Black Friday sale as well. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, credit West due. So I'm more like okay, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, shall I do my number one then? Yeah. Go on. Okay, unsurprisingly, it's going to be First Law Overrides. But it's not the game itself that is why it's number one. For me, the reason why this is my number one is how the development of the game has gone. The fact that this time last year, it was in a very, you know, loosey-goosey little Word document, single-page Word document that was, you know, that was humans versus humans in a mirror match type setting that was so pre-alpha. I don't even want to use the word pre-alpha. It was just extremely raw. And between February and August, so we're looking at six months it went from that to the now beta stage, which is so fleshed out, okay. so functional. And it was that development, which is 90% down to the, the assistance that I've been given from my friend Tom. Mm. And it is such a, you know, I am so proud and humbled by the experience. It was absolutely wonderful. And I I'm actually feel own. kind of jealous now because I tried to create games before and they never got very far. <laughs> I had some loads of really brilliant ideas, but <laughs> never really summed it, it is, up. It is difficult, <laughs> and I mean, like I said I mean, I've worked on you know little side projects in the past, and for me, the main thing is getting a good coworker, someone who. In the case of Tom, you know, I was going to say, careful so... now, he might leave. <laughs> in, in his case, he, he is so almost opposite to me, and it because it's it's good because you know his strengths are are not where my strengths are, and my strengths are not where his strengths are, and so as a result of that, we can play off each other, and it's not so much a case of you know there's no envy, there's no you know malice behind these sort of things. Instead, it's you know. I, you know, I'm using his strengths to lift up my weaknesses, and, like, and likewise, he does the same with me. And so we work together really well in that way. So now you can call yourself a game designer, like Justin Gibbs. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> well, I would like to think that I produce good games. Uh, excellent. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Bravo. <laughs> that was a perfect parry. <laughs> Flawless. <laughs> Critical, critical <laughs> counter. I mean, but but we're still trying to come up with a name. It's ridiculous. I mean, now now that we're working on a second game as well, and of course, one of the great things is that the fact that both these games are so different. There's no conflict of interest in there. We both want to see both games work well. Um, but we, it's like, we, it's like we we need to have a name. We can't just be rich in Tom. We need to have a name. <laughs> but yeah, it's just for me, it's just such an amazing experience. I've loved every minute of it, and I can't believe that we did go from such simple, core, raw w- workings to where it is now in just six months. It's Richard incredible. <laughs> it's 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 incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So that's that's my number one. Okay, Bill. Guild Ball, we're kind oh, of talking What do about I have left? Yeah, Guild Ball. Guild Ball's my number one. Now, the one thing I have left, and, and again, these are all, none of these are in order. Um, these are all just my top five. In fact, I came up with but some of these But you made it today. number one, and it was my number one as well, so. I, Guild Ball's pretty damn high. Um, so, this is, this is twofold. There were two games that came out this year that... If one of them had gone into distribution, I think it would be a close run for the best board game of the year. And they're both board games. One I was looking forward to. One I was surprised by. And that is Blood Rage and Ethereum. Mm. 
I still, I, so I had a friend, a uh, friend of mine just moved back into the area after being gone for several years, came over a couple of weekends ago. And after we played this game commissioned, which is going to be amazing for 2016, uh, you know, we were, we were hanging out chatting. We ate some lunch and then he's like, well, let's play another board game. Let's play a different board game. It's like, okay. And I'm, looking through what to grab and I'm trying to think of what to grab. And then I was like, you know what? I haven't had a chance in probably four or five weeks to play Ethereum. So I pull it out and I'm trying to explain it to him. I gave my normal pitch, which really comes down to, I believe this is one of the best board games I've ever played. I sat down and played it with him. That's pretty, I mean, to say, considering the amount of games. Look, this is the only game that I rate a 10 on board game geek. And I had it at nine and a half, which still rated as a 10. And I actually moved it to a 10. Um, now, you know, I, I like, and I get frustrated with board game geek, uh, with their rating system. Um, I get frustrated because I think, I, I wonder how many people actually follow it. Mm. I actually try to follow their, their rating system. And what do I mean by that? So when you go on, uh, BGG and you rate a game, it gives you a drop down and let me actually read. So, you know, it gives you this little drop down. You can pick a number one to 10, no big deal. But then it says, here's our list of recommended ratings. So for, for, as an example, you know, on their examples, number one defies description of a game. You won't catch me dead playing this clearly broken. That's, what they assume would be appropriate if you mm. give a game a one, right? Number two, extremely annoying game. Won't play this ever again. And then you finally get to a three, which is bad, right? So then when I look at the other side, now I have a lot of sixes, sevens, and eights in my game collection. Six is okay game, some fun or challenging at least will play sporadically if in the right mood. I think that's a good description. Seven is good game, usually willing to play. Okay. Eight, very good game. I like to play. I probably will suggest it and will never turn down a game. Then yes, that's a bit relative, isn't it? <laughs> well, that's, but, but actually that because it's relative, that's what I like, right? Mm. I'll never turn down a game. Uh, I'll usually suggest it like those that's strong language that you could do nine, which is where I was with, I was at nine and a half with Ethereum. Originally I've moved it to a 10 excellent game. I always want to play it. That's strong language yeah. for me. That's strong language. And I was pretty much in there. If you recommended Ethereum to me, chances are I would put to, put aside other you games. You know, some people Ethereum. argue that the 1 to 10 score is not really a good way to review something, really. I I, I, I can see that. Um, but I, mm. I, And I only like it here because it has the language. Yeah. So here's 10. Outstanding. Always want to play it. And I expect this will never change. That's their description for 10. I realized after not having played the game for several weeks and then sitting down with a new person and running a new person through the tutorial, watching them get excited and remembering myself how much I liked the game, even after the flurry of other games, the game is brilliant. Mm. 
I think the biggest thing that hurts them is no distribution channel. Yeah. Mm. So it's hard for people to play it. Like, I, I really think it's a case of not enough people have played this game. It, it, it's interesting you mention that, because I noticed today, actually, on Bella Lost Souls, so another plug for them. I think we have unboxing, yeah. Yes, and they're referring to the Kickstarter. Yep. And I found it very interesting going, hold on a second, the Kickstarter was quite a while ago. <laughs> oh yeah, it was over a year ago. I received, so I went back and checked because we were doing 2015. I got this game shipped to me after a year, you know, waiting a year for it at the beginning of this year. I got it in February of 2015, mm-hmm. or last year. So I, now, the other side of this is purely a pulp game, Blood Rage. Everything that people complain about... How are the miniature in Blood Rage? You know, the PVC stuff. I I think they look good. That's Okay, so that's a good example, because I was going to ask if they... The details are as good or a bit better than Zombicide. Okay. So they do have decent detail. I, I don't have because it in my office. Because from what I understand, I Black down. Plague miniatures are better than normal Zombicide ones. And they're probably the same ones as Black Plague, since the production was going on about the same time. Mm. Probably the PVC thing is kind of moving forward. Yeah, I will say this: Blood Rage. I will not. I will be shocked if Blood Rage is not on multiple top five lists. If it's not in well, multiple best game, best board game of the year. My friend wanted to get that in Leisure Games, but they sold out. So. I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got a text in. Okay, so let's talk Blood Rage, and then we'll go back a little bit, because I actually got a question in. That's why I grabbed my phone a little bit ago for people on video <laughs> about First Law Override. Oh, wow, okay. So, uh... Well, we're live. Uh, live, yes, a live <laughs> question coming in through coming in through the texts. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Blood Rage, it's simple, it's fun, it has levels of complexity that that are deep enough to keep people engaged. And anybody who's, I mean, you guys talking to me, anybody who's gamed with me knows that a, a, a game that's too simple and straightforward, I will get bored with very quickly. Yeah. There's strategy involved. The strategy changes, um, and it's quick to play. Like, it really does hit on all cylinders. Absolutely shocking, because I wasn't expecting that, mm. especially not as a cool mini or not Kickstarter game. So and it's just fun because come on, Vikings and monsters. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I can see that. Well, I like those monsters more than Kingdom Death monsters because they're a bit. Mm, like yes. I have, I have well, Phoenix. I, I'm gonna probably sell it at some point. <laughs> so. <clears throat> okay. So uh, have you guys played Blood Rage at all? Yep. Yeah, I know. I know, Richie. You looked at Ethereum, but yes, I, know, I knew you guys hadn't had a chance to play. So you recommend Blood Rage then? Highly. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think the hundred bucks you spend on the box. I also recommend going get going to get the uh, the expansions, but it is a. I think it's a good game just to have in your collection to pull out and play. Okay. Right. So. Okay. So here's the questions about First Law Override. Okay, go for it. And this is from a friend of mine who's a big campaign gamer. Okay. So he said, all the factions are loose organizations, Mm -hmm. and they had the feel 
of being part of a loose organization as opposed to being part of a small team of characters. Right. And he felt, and I'm trying to reword his question here. He says, I feel like it was more oriented towards an army game scaled down to skirmish with experience as part of the system. Okay. Is that what you were going for? Because I was under the impression you were going the other side, which was sort of character-driven. Yes. Um. <sighs> so he wanted, he kind of wanted to shoot me some, uh, yeah. you know, basically get your take on that as here's somebody else who's, again, his take is, if, if I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. re-paraphrasing, that, the idea is this is more of a uh, sort of stealth operation as part of larger yeah. organizations um, as opposed to a bunch of characters who got together. That's right. Um, I mean, suppose technically that is, that is exactly it. Um, the idea being is that almost every single group you're looking at, almost ex- exclusively, you are looking at uh, something like an elite squad of an army. Right. And that would be the focus. I mean, in the case then of... Then you nailed the, it. In the, yeah, in the, case of, in the case of the main humans, that is exactly what they are. Um, I think the only ones who really are not at all like that are the current wildcards who are the um, Reaver Tridan group because they're literally a, a gang. That's entirely their thing. They're actual, an actual gang. They're not belonging to an organization. They're not a special forces. They're not a rebel army. They're an actual drug-dealing gang. Right. And they're the only so, ones who are like that. So adding on, and now I'm extrapolating from his comments. Okay. Do you think that's a good thing? And now let me qualify that question. Malifaux has characters, but the characters are all part of their faction, yeah. their guild. And then they sort of merged them and muddied them with dual faction and everything. Yeah. Right? Um, 40K, fantasy... You're playing as part of this big, you know, these you're playing armies, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, War Machine, Hordes, mm-hmm. and whatever scaled-down version of those, again, you're playing as part of your army and your race, yeah. and then kind of scaling down from there. Um, even Guild Ball is all characters that are part of some team. Yeah. Would it be better... Clean slate characters? Yeah, to do characters. If you're trying to launch a character-driven skirmish game, would it be better to focus on the character side as a differentiator? Override isn't a character-driven skirmish game. Okay. That's not in the description. It's a campaign, right. And I guess that's where he's drawing the distinction, is that for him, campaigns are all about building your characters. And I'm making the interpretation for you as well, so correct me if you know, clearly I'm wrong. But campaigns, like you talk about Mordheim and you talk about Necromunda, where you built your characters. Yes, and it is that. But the thing is, is if you look at they tell their story. Yeah, if you look at um, the, the definition they, of character-driven, character-driven is something like Malifaux, where you've got a stat card. The person has a preset name. That's what a character-driven game is. So when I talk about Moonstone being a character-driven um, fantasy skirmish game, it is a preset, these are the rules for that model. When you've got a stat card, that's a character-driven game. So, I hear you. I completely agree. Here's my question. And, and let me try to ask my question a different way. If 
as, as I break my brain trying to figure out how to reword this to ask what I want to ask. Um, if there's a lot of campaign games out there that aren't being done well, mm-hmm. which is why you wanted to create your own campaign mm-hmm. game, and the big draw of a campaign game is building, as Andre said, your own characters. Yeah. Why wouldn't you focus on the character side and find a way not to give somebody a character stat card, but to let them build their own characters, but still keep a character? So, yep. so what I mean by character driven is truly character driven, not the yes, not the I, changes that have been made for Malifaux and yeah, everything. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, that was actually something that we looked at very, very early on. And it was decided that that sort of thing would work better for something more like a role-playing game. Okay. Um, one, one of the things we enabled through our campaign system is because you can very quickly start adding on stats and skills very quickly, um, you end up with a very, very within a, literally a couple of games of playing the campaign, you end up with a very unique feel towards your, the models you're using. And... Um, the best way to describe it is, is the best way to think of it is if you were to have something like the um, United Earth Force human group, um, your team would be equal to, say, um, the squad you follow in the film Full Metal Jacket. Okay. Um, it's very much you're part of a larger group, but you're focused on these small people who, to begin with, just like in the film, they start off as these rank-and-file grunts who have no real specialties, but, and as the film goes on, they get their, you know, what you, you have the different nicknames and the characters, and all this gets developed, and that's how it works out. So by the end of it, you've got these people who have these personalities, they have these characters, but it happens through gameplay rather than pre-gameplay. Okay, okay I can see that. Right. Okay. Well, there you go, that was our live <laughs> question. <laughs> and we're finished with the nice thing. So. We are. Now we're going to the... hurry up because we've been over two hours now. <laughs> now we're on to the... Uh... It feels like real hobby sofa where we bitch. <laughs> bitch and grumble. Okay, so my first number five. Yep. Uh, there will be... Let's try to sort of hurry up now. There's a couple of ones which I need to talk at length, but the rest will be very quick. Okay, Smart Marks miniatures have closed. That's Who are they? Well, they're doing the, <laughs> the, smoke, the smoke miniature game. They're also doing Mauser Earth. Remember you bought Little Lord? Yes. Oh, them. Yeah. We ah, both got one of each. Yes. I got Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> so when did they close? Uh, this year, early this oh, year. Oh, yes, I can see an article here. July <coughs> this year. year sorry, July yeah. this year. Wow. Did not know that. They did very nice models. Yeah. I might actually still buy some. There's like uh, this sort of yog type character or like a genie who's sort of trying to swallow a dagger, sort of like circus act. <laughs> I might actually get him and use him as um, a shadow emissary when playing with uh, with McCabe. I think one of the issues they had was the fact that they had almost, I don't know what scale they were, but they were very different to most of the games. They weren't the generic 28, 30. Mil. The 50 mil. Yeah, and, the, and there aren't many games that use 50 mil scale, are there? So you have to be very careful of what you're getting. If you're getting something that's abstract looking, then fine. If you're getting a human, you can't put an expert human in, say, something like Malifaux or whatnot, because they just... Right, right. I think that is going to affect us. They're only really useful in their own game. Now, let me ask you this, because you talk about that they made, they did 50 millimeter sculpts. Does that mean 
that I could take the normal. So the normal games that I play are 28 to 32 millimeter, right? Does that mean I could take their normal size model? And he'll be a giant. Well, and it would be in scale with the other models that I put on 50 millimeter bases in a quote unquote typical skirmish game. But if he's a human, you know, he's just like gigantic human. Is that <laughs> a little some weird monster thing? Yeah, fine, but okay, but yeah, yeah, size, exactly but human. So it would be, but I mean, it would be a. It's about that size. They're like the larger models that yes. I have on a fifty. It's like a half, size, half, half giant, I suppose. Hmm. Okay. Um, I've got one of their models called the Little Lord. He's this um, tentacle baby sitting in a um, pram. Um, it's an awesome little model, and um, he sits perfectly on a 50 mil base, and uh, yeah, very nice little model. Oh well, but he's a baby that fills up an entire 50 mil base. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I got Let Humpty me see Dumpty. if I can find him for you. Find Humpty Dumpty. Here we go. This is the little Lord view image. Paste him there. And I'll also share for the people who are interested in the link. I gotcha. So this would be something that typically we would expect to see on a 25 millimeter or 30 millimeter, uh, 30 millimeter lipped base. This is actually a 50. That's right. But it's still going to be about the same size as a Warjack. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Or a, uh, what are they? Are they tags on 50mm yes. bases? Yes, exactly. I mean, they're actually 55mm nowadays, but yes, exactly, that sort of thing. And the thing was, is that if you get, that's what I'm saying, depending on certain things, if you're getting something that just looks like a generic monster, then that'll be absolutely fine. But if you're getting something like this, I mean, that would be a very big pram. Right, right. And if you had that next to like something like a tag or a warjack, um, that's going to be It's going to look odd, yeah. Richard, I got a miniature called Humpty Dumpty. Okay, let's have a look at that. So, like, dwarf conjoined twins. I think I've seen that one. I bought it for a fiver, including postage. <laughs> nice. Ah, uh, here we go. Let me see. Can I get a good picture of him? Here we go. That's oh, too small. Come on. <laughs> now, his collar of his shirt is, like, paper thin. <laughs> I don't know how they managed it, but very fiddly. And also his glasses, which are sort of come, just coming off his nose, is like, uh. Okay, so super, very bit small, that picture. But that's thing, and let me go and do a thing. So for those curious, just about Got to it. put this up. There we go, so he's interesting model for certain but again I'm, I'm assuming I'm assuming again we're looking at 50 mil base there Andre she's on 40 mil 40 mil okay so that's a bit more suitable but mm. he's like a human size actually only his like hands and feet and head oh, are really? large he's like a really fat guy <laughs> so Richie what is your uh, what is on your bottom five list my number five is actually going back to Call of Spelly again. So I had them as my uh, number five best. They're also number five worst. And it's over one model they did. Well, one release they did. Wow. Um, it was um, a release that I thought was... 
awful. Um, I, it was... The release is called the... I think it's Scilio and Dracios, I think it's called. Now, before we start, just to prove a point, before they actually released this, they put out this concept art for the female member of this team, which I'll just post a link for the picture there. And again, I'll just do a share with the people who are watching along at home. And it's, oh, this, nice. it's this, you know, rather, you know, sexy-looking, librarian-style cyborg. And, you know, it should make a, a nice model. A librarian or pleasure bot. Okay. Yeah, exactly. This, you know, it should be good. Sorry, model. which faction is that? That's for um, Aleph. Okay. Um, what they then ended up with was something that's very different. Show us what they ended up with. So this is what they ended up with. And it's a du- dual pack, so you've got her, and you have the rather awkward-looking pose that she has. And I'm just going to share that for everyone as well. Yeah, that's confusing. Yeah. She does not look anything really like her artwork. But worst of all is the guy she comes with. And this is not a problem so much with the model, but more the paint job for the advertising. <laughs> it's you, you look at his trousers and his crotch, and you go, hold on a second, something's a bit off there. And because of the folding of the model and the, and the sculpting and how they've decided to do it, it looks like he's rocking a massive hard-on. Well, she, is a, she, she was supposed to be a librarian. <laughs> and it's like, seriously, that's just... And it's just this weird, weird... Yeah. It's, it's just... I, I, I want to thank it, you. Just, just <laughs> like, uh, I think it was Ian from the Aethervox who pointed out to me the uh, overcompensating angry elves and War Machine, you have <laughs> now made it so I can never see anything <laughs> but that on this model. Exactly! It's just not up to their standard. It's not up to their standard. Hmm. And it's it's something that... I mean, in, in his case, that's, that's all you can see now. That's all you can see. That's all you can see. And likewise, in her case, she's a substandard, the posing is awkward and awful, and they could have done so much better with both. I... Do either of you, I mean, really, this is an Andre thing because you're a sculptor and an artist or anything. What is the big deal about trying to do the the stick the hip out, bend sideways? Like, Malifaux did that with one of the Desperate Mercenaries as well. And and it's just such an awkward pose. Mm. But I see it over and over and over in miniature game companies. Maybe, I I know... It was used in comics, kind of, you know, the stand in a way which is not physically possible <laughs> with female characters. I don't know, Jim. I, it's such a weird pose. I don't know. <laughs> you know, that's what that reminds me of, Richie. It yeah. reminds me of that female desperate mercenary. Yeah. And I just keep looking at her going, "What? I don't understand what she's trying to do. No. Maybe there's like explosion behind them. <laughs> like she goes, ah. And she's trying to stick her ass into it or something. <laughs> I, I mean, or her ass and the back of her head, because they're both kind of stuck out in the same direction. But it's not like she's trying to stick her chest out. Maybe that's exactly it. She's like, I, on a, she's on like a submarine and she's trying to plug holes or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. That could be it. And she's like, oh, got to yeah. get, oh, there we go. That stopped that leak. Well, it's a it's a Dutch Dutch submarine, right? Because it's no, never mind. So that there's just trying to plug holes in the dike. Yes. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Didn't mean dike that way either, but that makes it more fun. But yeah, oh. it's just it's just a 
it's just a bad, bad it's thing. Should put trigger warnings on this. <laughs> <laughs> and the only, the only reason it, the only reason it's in my top in my worst five is because it, you know compared to other companies out there, these sculpts and paint jobs are not bad compared to a lot of others out there. But in my opinion, after considering how, how I had them as in my best as well, it's like I have to feature it because it's just it's just bad. It's just it's no. okay, Bill. You're first. So I think if I look at my, uh, all of these were highly disappointing. Once again, they're not in order. But if I try to, let, let's start again with a, a pseudo gaming, non gaming one. I and this is actually the easiest one for me to put in. I have to go with my work. My work this year had such an impact on both podcasting and my gaming, everything from interrupting going to conventions to uh, screwing with my pay. So I'm ma- I was making less money than I was expecting, so I wasn't able to buy as much stuff. Or sp- I mean, just across the board, easily one of the biggest negative impacts I had, um, which hopefully has been mostly resolved. Mm. And I figured out how to work through going into this year. But uh, yeah, that was really... I had to go with that non-work, you know, human side, uh, or that non-gaming human side. Um, yeah, so that's my fifth. Work, okay. work sucks. <laughs> yeah, gets in the way of gaming, isn't it? That, that's you, you unacceptable. Know <laughs> I, I used to love my job, and I never would have said work sucks. It, it paid me enough money to fund all my gaming habits. It really didn't get in the way. I understood the importance of what I was doing. It was worthwhile when I had to take a break out. Now, yeah, I it it I, I should I, you know I feel like I'm working retail. Ooh. Okay. Oh dear. Well, I used to do that. <laughs> Hated retail. <laughs> so. Okay, right. My number four is. I actually I was like split whatever do it number four or number one. Oh, wow, okay. But then I thought it doesn't really particularly concerns me. That's why I made it number four. That's fair. Age of Sigma. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the you know what's funny? That... I, I'm sorry for you, Andre, because the fact oh. that it made your list, it didn't even make my list of disappointments because I really couldn't list. care. Well, the reason it's four and not one is because, like, I'm sort of I was kind of over Games Workshop at this point. And, but it's so huge, I had to put it in. And I have to say, to me, I, I actually, all this rage which happened on the internet, I watched it with a rather lot of amusement, to be out of, honest. Out of curiosity, is it the creation of Age of Sigma or the discontinuation of Warhammer? To be honest, ah. um, I think it's discontinuation of Warhammer. To, more, because the thing is, this game is so different in in style mm. and in gameplay and, and, and in visual setting style that it could have just been another third game. Well, which, I mean, that, I remember at the time, a lot of people thought exactly what it was going to be. They thought it was going to be, you know... It's something uh, that uh, bridges 40k and fantasy, Exactly. Really. They, they were going to do Warhammer 9th, whatever the hell it was, and they were going to do Sigma as a, yeah, a, a different and easy something access version. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why Mantic uh, Kings of War is doing so well. They're like selling yeah. like hotcakes. <laughs> Fantastic PR campaign, what they did. So good. You're talking about GW's PR campaign for yeah, Mantic? GW's PR. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but the fact that Mantic cast in on that, they, you know, they straight away, you know, are you missing your game come play hours? You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. To be honest, 
I find Kings of War somewhat mediocre, to be honest. But it's it it's the only big unit battle war game, the only one out there right now. <laughs> so, See, <laughs> I, and I actually can't be over upset because Age of Sigmar has actually spawned what I think is a topic worthwhile to discuss, um, tied together with a couple other ideas, which goes into the nostalgia, but also goes into the um, my Guild Ball Tonight co-host. And he hasn't talked about this in Guild Ball Tonight, but he talked about it on another podcast he hosts. He has this theory that he, he calls the sunk cost fallacy. And I, I, I'm going to talk about it at length on, on Gamers Lounge, uh, Spencer and I are, but... The, the real simple thing. I'm looking and I looking forward to that. Yeah, it, I think it applies with Age of Sigmar, and it's one of the examples I'm gonna I'm gonna use because I have a couple of friends who still play Age of Sigmar. The sunk cost fallacy is one of two things. I don't play this game currently that I bought, which is how Phil used it. Or on the bigger side, I've bought into this game I used to enjoy. It's crap now. That's always the middle part. <laughs> so I must, I must spend more money because I'm sure it's going to change eventually. <laughs> and then that all culminates within, within GW of, and I've put so much money into this. I've made such a quote unquote investment into mm-hmm. this thing. I really am miserable with oh. that. I can't leave it to do something I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, Bill, you have to sort of let me in on that gamer's lounge because there's something I want to talk about there as well. It's about the downfall of Rackham. Very similar situation happened there. Yeah, I'm 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 open to that. Um let so, me talk to Spencer and I'll figure it out on the scheduling. But but I do think there's like Age of Sigmar has really brought that out. Where effectively, if I listen to the community and I can only listen to the community and see what I read online, you're talking about a game company who went yeah, we have a bunch of fans, and we haven't pissed them off enough. Let's see if we really can crap on them, and they'll stay. <laughs> and a lot of them have. And a lot of them have. Well, you know, it kind I, of I don't disturbs know. me. I, it, it kind of uh, disturbs me that I'm thinking of actually getting some Age of Sigma miniatures now. You know, <laughs> I think you are mistaken, Richie. Oh. Uh, thanks to Andre here, and his sending me to... Bella Lost Souls. <laughs> uh, Bella Lost Souls. Top news. One, two, three, four, five. Games Workshop bad Christmas sales numbers. Oh, really? Oh. Now, I haven't read the article, but that's the fifth article down. And then right above that on the fourth article is Games Workshop half year financials out. That's oh, so is it bad? Get ready Sounds for like a him. bumpy ride is in the uh, is in the title, but come on, bad Christmas sales. I, I would hazard to say that that does not bode well hmm. for. Uh, From what I heard, the actual starter boxes for Age of Sigma sold really well, but uh, the you know once you get like five Sigmarines for thirty pounds, that didn't go well with a lot of people. <laughs> So, Jan- I'm, I'm going to read just the first line of this headline. Uh, January 8, 2016, from The Guardian. That's one of y'all's. Mm-hmm. And I am going to say it that way. That's one of <laughs> y'all's. Uh, games Workshop, which makes and sells fantasy model games such as Warhammer, The Hobbit, and Lord of the Rings, has had a bad Christmas 
and predicted lower annual profits. Hmm. They are unlikely to exceed 16 million pounds, but I, that, there's got to be more context to that. Yeah. You know, Games Workshop recently done something they've never done before, and that is they actually made a bundle which actually saves you money. Oh, yes, yes, I've heard about these. Okay, they've done that before. It's just been so long that people don't remember. And I'm going to tell you how I know that. I have a. I remember bundle. it, I remember it. I've been in it long enough. <laughs> yep, I have a bundle of high elves in my closet, the infamous high elves, still infamous and not built, that saved me money. <laughs> Are you going to put them on round bases? I don't know what I'm going to put them on. I mean, I'm, I i don't know. I'm almost at the point. I sold off some of my – that should have been my top five. I sold off some of my Malifaux finally. Never thought it would happen. You should have sold your health before. I, I, I'm, yeah, I know. I, you're telling me. My wife and I were very disappointed. She has Bretonians. Talk about an army that's never going to sell now. <laughs> Ow. <sighs> well, she can keep the horses. Ah, <laughs> oh, Okay, Richie, what's your next, what's your next gripe? My number four is, is interesting. This is, it's something that's been a gripe of mine now since the summer. However, it's become even more relevant since the announcement of uh, the revitalization of specialist games. And it is, it is the experience of realizing just how rose tinted our glasses are. Because. You guys are awesome. Love you guys. What? You're just feeding this idea I've had. In 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 my case, it it all started when um, we you know Tom and I were working on First Law, and so obviously one of the things we we, we research material and this sort of stuff. And one of the taglines that we've been unofficially using, and I, I'm sure Bill, you, you remember this, is that you know First Law override. It's like Necromunda, but not shit. Yes. <laughs> So as, as a result, we're like, let's actually go back and actually look at Necromunda. You know, not what the fans have done, not what you remember it as. Look at the actual game, the actual rules. And I've got the actual rules just behind me, and I'm flicking through it, and I'm going, this is awful. It's written in a, it makes, you know, half of it you have to reread it three times because it's not intuitive, and it's, it's, it's awful. And then you see the pictures of what the models look like from the 90s, and it, oh, it's So just, I just want to point out, Richie. Oh, good you, old days. <laughs> when you went through that in the summer, yeah. you mentioned that to me, I think it might have been offline. Yeah, probably. Because that's where I started formulating my idea about this segment. And started looking at other things outside of just Necromunda. Yeah, and then you and then you then we had the announcement of you know the revitalization of specialist games. Most people go, oh, fantastic! All of these games. And it's like it, it's not <laughs> uh, going Richie, to be. It's not. I had I had the same thing. Basically, I sort of looked at started reading Necromunda again, and I thought, okay, I'm never going to play this mm. again ever. Right. And then I sold this hardback book <laughs> for on how how much was it? It sold for like forty pounds. Really? Oh, I've got my hardback still. eBay, here you come. <laughs> and part of the, part of it as well is that I loved. I remember one of my some of my fondest memories are not from Necromunda or More Time, but they're from the game Gorkamorka. Mm. And part of me is thinking, if this is what Necromunda was like, I really don't want to revisit Gorkamorka because it will destroy my memories. I'll go back yes. and go. Actually, this was a shit game. 
this was a terrible game. But the thing that made it good, as was mentioned in um, Gamers Lounge recently, was that it was the only really thing available at the time right. and that was what we had and so we made the most of it and we enjoyed it and we again we created um you know house rules and all this different stuff going on you know somehow i feel that gw they might tweak it somewhat but they're not gonna make any major changes no, i don't think they're so. not gonna, okay, they're not gonna modernize the game here's the thing and this is how i explained the idea to my wife recently my wife drives a 14 year old volkswagen she loves her Volkswagen. She's got a little Volkswagen Jetta. She loves it. It's 14 years old. Even though she loves that and it was a great car at the time, if she goes out and buys a 2016 Jetta, buys the same car, it will be infinitely better because of all the things that car manufacturers have learned in 14 years. Yeah. So... That doesn't make her car when she bought it shit, but if you bought that car today, it's a piece of shit. (laughs) It doesn't change how good it was, you know, and the fact that it's lasted this long and everything else. People get attached to things. But on comparison, exactly. I mean, in theory, we probably should see minor changes. I mean, in the case of, I don't know about Mordheim, but of course, Gorkamorka and Necromunda, they used second edition 40k rules. Of course, mm. those rules have changed now, so you'll probably see minor revisions to bring it in line with whatever the latest. Well, let's is. hope they don't make it like but, Age of Sigma. But also, yeah, think about this: even with what they did with Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar is such a great example. Age of Sigmar looks to me—I haven't played it. I don't know in depth. I haven't dissected it on on a high level brush of it. It looks to me like GW game designers were told. There is a whole toolbox of new game design mechanics and new ways to to do games that gamers like more than roll a bucket of dice. Mm. So adopt those. They went out, misunderstood what they were reading, (laughs) picked three of them, threw them together, and still Mm. did it wrong. You know, like, I, and I, I think that's I, it, they're just old. GW uses old mechanics, yeah. not bad mechanics. Like if I listen to a Rick Priestley and an Alessio and all these guys, right? They, it's not that they're old mechanics. It, you know, Gavin has that word GW. Those are the mechanics of the day. But oh dear. Um, for those curious, um, this is a problem with me. I've just temporarily lost my internet. I'm trying to get it back. Sorry about this. So that's why it's all gone quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm gonna, hopefully this is going to carry on recording. Uh, right, let's try again. Hello, sorry about that, Andre. I appear to have lost... Um, there we go, I'm back again. Sorry about that, I appear to have lost internet access for a second and it just kicked the whole thing off. I he... can't still bill. I can't still no, bill. He's, he's connecting, he's connecting now. Okay. Um, sorry about that. But it's all still recording, so it's all good. <laughs> There's some technical difficulties. Yes. <laughs> 
Okay, let me. Oh, what's going on there? Let's knock him off. Call drops and call him back again. Go on. It says busy. Don't say busy. Call. What's going on here? Okay. Maybe he's trying to call us. Shouldn't be. No answer. Oh, that's interesting. I appear to be... Come on. Andre, can you do me a favour? Mm-hmm. Can you have a look? See, is you online? Number one ah, worst thing in 2016. Go. Skype. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. <laughs> I right. can't see you, Bill. No, I can't see you either, but I got this oh, very on, snazzy picture. Yeah. Okay, now we just need Bill. Can there we you, go. You just need to connect to your video. Oh. Yeah, I don't start that by default. You didn't right. like Stitch? <laughs> no, very, very amusing, very amusing. Right, that was, that was, that was my side, that was. Sorry about that. Uh, My Wi-Fi about cut out. Age of Sigma game design. Yes. The thing is, it seems to me like this game. Normally, someone creates a game and then someone tries to market it. What they mm-hmm. did is like marketing people try to design a game based <laughs> on their marketing thing. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that either. It's that like create a game which is basically no mechanics, just, you know, get people to buy the models and then just play around with them. Well, in all fairness, they do say that they are not a games company, they're a models company. So that is actually what their marketing should be if it's about selling models, if that's how they want to advertise themselves. It's like being able to use everything you got. That's so marketing, you know, buy more. If they're really, here's the thing, if they're really a models company and not a games company, then they wouldn't give a crap about providing models to other people's games. No. And they would uh, also not be so legalistic about things like the names of their models. <laughs> so, let, I mean, come on. I, you can only tell somebody Space lies Marine. if somebody calls you out on it. Exactly. Good old sports. Uh, this is why they have to change names of everything now. It's <laughs> Yep. So, uh, okay. So, so my next thing, again, I you know what? I was all over the place on all of this, but I had less direct gaming stuff. One of my other big disappointments, and I looked at bottom five as sort of big disappointments. So it's number three now? Uh, Number four. Four? Number four. My number four of big disappointments. Well, in my group of five, I, I was very frustrated with myself and just in general not getting my normal load of Gamers Lounge podcasting out. Um, I realized I had Guild Ball Tonight, I had Hobby Sofa, um, I had some good interviews this year, which I'm very thankful for, but I just, I, this year I put out less episodes of Gamers Lounge than I have since the show started. Really? More yeah. so than the year before? And of course, you know, yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Yeah. So I, it was, it, it was a real point of frustration. And then, you know, very, very amusing, of course, when, you know, I'm all happy. I have a new co-host coming on. We're getting a schedule nailed down and I meet with a good friend, good friend of mine who's in uh, publishing. And he was like, Oh, I just figured you were slacking for the last two months. <laughs> it's like, well, on the good side, you just thought I was slacking on the bad side. What? 
So he had this hiatus is the bad thing. <laughs> so well, I haven't painted anything for myself in a long while, so and I kind of been having to force myself to paint recently, which is not a good thing. Yeah, that's tough. Now, is it painters? Are you like blocked, or you just have to get back in the habit? Uh, both. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Number three is. Mm-hmm. My number three is, well, it's kind of a hybrid thing. It's Batman Arkham Knight. It's oh, really? a video game, but it kind of it affects the game which I haven't bought into yet, but which I like, and that's uh, Batman Miniatures game mm-hmm. by Knight Models. And because oh, they're, they're basing some stuff off the video game. Well, originally they based stuff off Arkham City. Yeah. But then they started adding other things, like the movie versions. They started adding, like, obviously, the Arkham Origins stuff. They started adding uh, uh, other things. And now, obviously, Arkham Knight, there's miniatures from that. Oh, like, wow. You have this really rubbish-looking scarecrow <laughs> who has actually got them surrounded by these paramilitary guys, which just doesn't make sense. They have this really crappy look in Arkham Knight, which I hate. Have you played the game, the video game? Uh, no, I, my friend has it. I saw him play. And the, I the, militia, it, the militia make a little bit of sense for the Scarecrow. They make a little bit of sense. Mm. They'd make more, they would make more sense for the Arkham Knight. But they Instead make a little of bit Arkham sense. Knight, they should have just kept chasing the daughter's red hood. That would have been so much better. Shh. No spoilers. What? Everyone knows about it already. Do they? Yeah, okay. <laughs> And um, I didn't because for me it didn't make any sense because I'm familiar with uh, my wife's a big Batman fan and I'm so familiar with the original story. So it's just story. your wife and daughter. You're not really into Batman. <laughs> I kind of am, just not as much as that, not, not as much as my wife is. And so when we, I was, when I was playing the game, um, I was thinking to myself, hmm, this, you know, I've got, I've got the Jason Todd theme going on. So I go and speak to the wife and go, what's the story of Jason Todd? And she tells me about what happens to him and all of that. And it's like. Oh, so he's dead, and he's dead <laughs> to the extent that they actually oh, had his dead body, sorry. and they took him to the Lazarus pit and reanimated <coughs> him. He was dead dead. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, well, it can't be him then, can it? <laughs> okay, did you or your wife watch uh, Batman Under the Red Hood? I'm pretty sure it's she has. Anti- she has? I'm pretty sure she has. She's seen most of the films. Because um, they're it's on a, um, it, Amazon. It's though, an animated film. Yeah. There's tons of them, Amazon Prime. Yeah, and uh, Batman Under the Red Hood is probably one the best one. It's like, mm. I just sort of wanted like watch the beginning of it, and mm. then I sat through the whole movie and unable to turn it off. That's how good it is. Wow, that is good. And she, she would probably like it. She would most likely watch it, but if she didn't, it's got Nightwing in it. <laughs> she loves Nightwing. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I like Nightwing. He's a good character. Hmm. Better than bloody Robin. I mean, no, he was Robin, but you know what I mean. Mm. And uh, yeah, and now you have this Edward Nigma in a robot suit <laughs> with a force field. <laughs> I don't know why they've done it in a game, and also, I kind of I preferred them in Arkham Knight where he had these. This was almost like Saw. <laughs> you know these trap rooms in in Arkham City. Sorry. Oh yeah, Arkham yeah, yeah. City. yeah, yeah. And now you have these races, which is... What the hell? And also, is Edward Nigma richer than Bruce Wayne? Because it seems so. I'm building this. 
imagine how much stuff. <laughs> but the, the biggest thing is, um, so I've, I've, I've played um, the Arkham Knight video game, and I got to the point where um, the idea is that in order to fully complete the game and unlock all of the videos and stuff, you need to then defeat all of these villains. And in order to defeat the, um, the uh, Riddler, you have to go and solve all of his riddles he's left mm-hmm. in the city. Fair and enough. before then, he reveals himself in this big robot suit that apparently, and he's got this big force field, and it's basically magnetically locked to the floor. He is trapped in this suit. And he says, the only way I can come out of this suit is if you solve all my puzzles. So I said, fine, Just I'm not going to solve your puzzles, and you're going to be stuck in there for the rest of eternity. Yeah, we'll leave you in there. You're already in jail. Problem solved. Why, why do I, why do you, no, I'm not going, I'm just going to leave you there. Thank you very much for solving my problem for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, actually, I read Sarah's blog where she sort of rates these uh, Batman games, and I pretty much agree with everything, because um, the third game, Arkham Origins, yeah. got a lot of, like, it got a lot of bad beatings press. from... But it is really I, good, it's, actually. It's, it's my favourite. It is definitely my well, favourite of them. I'm surprised what she didn't mention in her review is the detective sections, because that is so Batman. The the way detective mode works, how you mm. can sort of reassemble the crimes taking well, place, I that was so amazing. I don't know if she mentioned it, but I do know that that's one of the things she liked, the fact that Origins really expanded on that compared to the previous games, mm. and it really made it a lot more almost noir-style. The first game was kind of more focused, and the, what I really liked in that was the scarecrow sections. Yeah, they sort of tried the to copy it with, Ru- stuff, with yeah. Russell Ghoul levels in the uh, Arkham uh, um, City and uh, Wonderland in uh, Arkham Origins, but I don't think it was quite the same. It, mm. The original were great. Yeah, but I mean, bosses was great. Were great in all games like uh, Mister Freeze was great. Um, Firefly was like a uh, Metal Gear Solid boss. Mm-hmm. And, so, uh, so why then is um, Nightmingers doing a series based, a mini series based on the latest game? Why is that a bad thing? Why, why is that your worst? No, it's just because it was. I think the game had some bad design choices, and all of those things sort of moved into the miniature game. Mm. <laughs> like I, I don't want to fight Riddler in the robot suit. They actually made the miniature. Yeah. That's fair enough, that's fair. And um, <clears throat> also, it seems to me they were so, like, spent so much money and effort on the Batmobile mechanics, there wasn't money or time left for anything else, like yeah. good bosses and proper quests and stuff. <laughs> Side missions were like... Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I'd agree with that, 100%. And, yeah, it was it, it, it took a game that was... Yeah, it was about action and combat investigation and made it racing. I mean, dro- well, racing isn't so bad, but it's the drones part, which I hate. <laughs> Bill, I'm guessing you haven't played this game. I, I haven't. I, so I just got my Xbox One. I am... I don't even know how far behind. Uh, I just started playing Tomb Raider, or... Uh, uh, the first Tomb Raider. Yep. You know, the the one where Laura Croft is still a, a teenager, and which is as amazing as everything I heard about it. It's a really good game, isn't it? Um, but Did yeah, I'm so up? far behind. I haven't got it yet, but that is next on my list. Because if you like storylines, because I've watched the thing online, you know, 
I have read the yeah, I've read the Witcher books, so I'm really looking forward to getting Witcher the game. No, the thing is, these storylines, the way you they like you actually care about them, and I never care about stuff in the video games. That's the thing, and also and again for me because I like the books, the Witcher books. You don't have PS4, do you? I don't. Xbox One. The number one, if I'm going to get a console, the number one thing on my list would be uh, Bloodborne. And, yeah. That's PS only, yeah. Is that PS only? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I chose my Xbox One because both it and the PS4 are DVD players and my Blu-ray player just... My PS3, the Blu-ray player side, the disc reading side just died. Um, I, I actually think the video may have may have gone out. Mm. Um, so that finally spurred me since I didn't have a standalone Blu-ray player, and we still watch a lot of movies on disc. That spurred me to buy a console. And as I went through everything, I don't play enough video games mm-hmm. on the console to really be passionate one way mm. or the other. Like I'm not a Halo guy or a Bloodborne guy or a whatever, yeah. and. When I did my little informal poll of other friends, uh, most of the people locally have Xboxes. So mm-hmm. when it came okay. down to is, I can sync up with all the people locally who play. Yeah. Okay. Which is funny because I still don't want them to know when I'm online. So <laughs> you should have we'll four get way then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So number three, Richie. Well, beforehand, just want to say I'm oh. currently doing my um, game of the year top five or well, top six technically on my blog at the moment and I've already re- revealed two of my um, this is of course for PC only though so I can't feature things like Bloodborne that sort of stuff I've already featured what was it my number five choice my first runner up was Mad Max which is a great game if is you, like, if you yeah. like the if you like the films especially I the, love the, Mad Max I think you'll enjoy this one it's mm. very good very enjoyable um, second one was the game Soma, which is I, I, just, I published that post today. That's such a good game. Is that yep. the underwater game? Yeah, such a good game, and it really it makes you question so many things. It's a very heavy game, very hmm. heavy. You it, you can't just sit down and oh yeah, I fancy a few hours and you know blowing away on Soma. It's not going to happen. You sit down and you start going, oh my god, what is life? Am I alive? <laughs> oh my god, what does this mean? So detailed, but it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can reveal is two games I am not featuring, despite currently trying to play them both, is... Um, I, I can't, I'm doing PC, so I can't... It's, it's impossible to use Batman, considering they had to pull it for sales. Um, but I'm not doing Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. I'm not it's featuring long. Witcher 3. It's long. It's, it doesn't interest me. I've, I've played it. I've played it for about four or five hours. And it does not capture me at all. It doesn't interest me at all. So what don't you like? Because all the reviews of her, all the people yeah. I've talked to, I haven't read review reviews. The people I've talked to all love it. Yeah. Um, I they, it, There's nothing about it that grabs me. It's as simple as that. Um, I've, play, I'm sorry, I've played about five hours into it. The missions I find very formulaic. And the storylines, just there's something about it just isn't pulling me in. Um, one mm. of the issues is that I feel, now other people have said the opposite, but personally my feeling is that an awful lot of the dialogue is between characters who already know each other from previous games. Uh-huh. And it feels like a lot of the time they're sharing in-jokes with each other. And I haven't played the previous games. So I, I feel like I'm, so I'm sitting hoping. back watching this in-joke. 
And it's like, yeah, I kind of feel a third wheel here. Well, and he's very sarcastic, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping for me, that's a plus because I have read and listened to the audiobooks, read yeah. the Witcher series. And I've actually heard that it, uh, I heard this from the D6 generation guys that the series was written. Then the game was created. Most mm-hmm. people didn't know there was a book series because it wasn't translated to English for a long yeah. time. Now that it's been translated, that there's incredible, even deeper ties than the people that have played the earlier Witcher games. Yeah. So I may I have a leg up saying. on that where I've, I, I kind of get a lot of the yeah. what's already gone on. So I think yeah. So, so if you if you're a fan of the books, got a friend of mine, um, Jay. He's a massive fan of the books. Oh, and also, he, so speaking the... of Batman, there's a couple of videos online done called Bat Metal. <laughs> you might want to watch those. I don't understand that long, that jump, Andre. But okay. <laughs> now, before we move to another topic, and the other game that I'm not featuring is um, Metal Gear Solid. Ah huh. well, um, it's unfinished game. It's. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm this, oh, you heard this, about this scandal with Hideo oh, yeah, Kojima, yeah. and that's part of the problem. Mm. Because all I'm hearing about is this scandal of how apparently he wasn't given credit, and he wasn't given this, and he wasn't given that. However, I've been playing the game, and every mission is treated like an episode. And just like with an episode on TV, you've got opening and closing credits, and plastered across the entire thing. Every time I do a mission, it's directed so and created by Hideo Kojima. At the end of it, so-and-so, by Kojima Productions, all the bloody time. And it's like, seriously, you are such an egotistical wanker. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just take a step back for a second. You know? Oh. And it's just so frustrating. I kind of did the same thing in Alan Wake, because it was, like, episodic. Yes, but you, it wasn't... The, the, part of the problem is the fact that you did, the name was... <laughs> And it is right. a case as well. All the other, you'll have, you know, the voice characters and all okay. this, and they'll have little names appearing, and then his name appears, boom, big letters. And it's like, what did he want for credit then? What credit did he not get? Uh, apparently, because his name was on the front of the box. Wow. That's it, basically. Wow. And all his previous games, his name is on the front of it. Because they're okay. claiming they're claiming he hasn't been given credit, and that's the only place he hasn't been given credit. The game itself, boom! That's also part where he couldn't receive the award himself. Yeah, because he'd already been let go by then. Huh. He wasn't under the employee. Yeah. He was, he was basically... Okay, this, technically he was, but he was on gardening leave, which, as you know, he wasn't, you know. That just, you know, you're not under the thing. But so they banned him from say, coming wait, to wait, the wait. convention. Did you say gardening leave? Yeah. What is gardening leave? <laughs> Um, maybe it's maybe it's a UK thing. Um, it's where basically you're still technically on the books because they're paying your salary up until a certain point, but, but you're no longer in the employee for them. It's basically a case of saying we want you out, Gardening. but we're gonna we're gonna pay you for a couple of months. We're gonna pay you for a month or two. Now understand, it was only. I mean, I'm 42 years old, and it was probably four or five years ago where I finally learned that your garden is the same thing as my backyard. Yeah. Okay, that that you weren't talking about a garden like I think of a garden. You were just <laughs> yeah, talking back about garden. We actually the backyard. Back gardens. <laughs> yeah, but gardening leave has nothing to do with that. I mean, I, I don't know where the terminology comes from. I only heard about it about myself about mm-hmm. six years ago. The first time I heard about it, it's like, wait a minute, what? This person's getting paid to go and garden? What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> but no, basically, yeah. it, it means that you're, you're get, they're receiving a salary for a limited amount of time but that it's not allowed into the office. I wonder how much that has to do with the labor. I, I know this is off into politics, but because so much work in the U.S. is work at will, mm-hmm. 
you get terminated, and even if we give you a severance, you're out. Like, yeah. you're out today. And here's some money because we don't want you to come back legally against us, but really, take that money, go, you're out. Where I know there's a much because we have a UK office, there's a, it's a far longer drawn out process of retraining and re, you know, reallocation and, and all those rights that you guys think you have, damn entitled Brits. <laughs> I'm with you on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I wonder if that's where that comes from is, you know, is this a way that as a manager, I could put you on leave, know that you're terminated, not have to worry about the training because you're on leave. You can't come in for training yeah. and somehow ease you out. That's, Basically, exactly it. it it's, it's a way they, they know they're going. They know they're gone yeah. because they know they're being fired. But they're being told that basically, here, you've got it's a couple a of months to find a new job <laughs> and we're going to pay you for it. Yeah. So, you know, please don't sue us. <laughs> huh. Gardening basically. leave. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I, I, have, I have added another gardening leave. So that's basically what happened with him. You know, he's put on gardening leave, and then he goes, oh, this is so unfair. I'm no longer technically allowed to work for this company, but they won't let me go to and accept an award, an, an award for them. <laughs> so, well, of course, because you're not in their employee anymore, you twice. Exactly. Well, Jeff Keighley really went at Konami for this. They got so much bad PR and, from that. And let's not forget as well, you know, for years beforehand, he'd been bad-mouthing the company at every bloody opportunity, saying, oh, they're, they're terrible to work for, they don't give us this, this, that, and the other. And it's like, you can't bad-mouth the hand that feeds and then get and then, be, and then complain right. and let you go. And then want to keep getting fed. Exactly. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yes. um, so anyway, moving on. So uh, uh, sorry, one number... little thing. There's yep. a little flash animation. Two of them, in fact, called <laughs> Bat Metal. Bat Metal. You might want to watch those. Those are really disturbing. There's one where Batman and the gang beat the shit out of Ariel, Disney's nice. Ariel. Okay. It's got Nightwing in it as well. That's so terrible. Right. Okay. Maybe it's not... very bloody and nasty. Let's put it this way. Okay, so, Richie, so, what is your number three? Yes, my number three is uh, actually it's quite an old game now. It's it's Tentacle Bento, but it's, what? It's Tentacle Bento when played. That made it into your disappointments. When played with more than two players. Wow! Because I played this game originally, I think it was about two years ago, just me and the wife playing it, and I loved it. We had so much fun playing for two players, and this summer at a little barbecue party we had was the first time of playing more than two players. And we played with four people, so it was a four-way game of Tentacle Bento, and it was awful. It huh. did not work at all, and it was so disappointing because of how good the two-player was for us. Um, it really it hit me because it was so disappointing. Now, regarding Tentacle Bento, I sort of read the rules of that game, and I wasn't particularly inspired by them. It's it's not it's 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 not it's not and very inspiring at all. I, I mean, think this little scandal which happened gave this game so much publicity. I think well, this, and it's so funny because it's really I, really overrated. Andre, you remember like the sales pitch Richie was giving us for this game, don't you? I well, love this game. I, I, as a two-player game, I love it. It is so much fun. But it's advertised as a party game. It's advertised as more than yep. two people. But you actually you play it with more than two people, and it all breaks down. Everything okay. it just doesn't work. Um, Guys, the rounds really become... need to hurry up now. <laughs> you know, for three hours. To, to down, the, the, yeah, the rounds become too sh- too short. You go through the cards too quickly, and oh. you don't have enough things to do. Things you end up in situations where you go, oh, "I've got nothing to do. Oh, I've got nothing to do. I've got nothing to do." Keep on going cycles of no one doing anything. 
Whereas in two-player, it fixes itself, and you end up with a couple of rounds where you go, nothing to do, nothing to do, nothing to do, but then it fixes itself, and you end up with stuff to do again. It doesn't happen with more than two players, and it's just so disappointing because it's. I really enjoyed two-player. To then, you know, a game that advertises as a party game actually becomes worse the more players you have. So, so because mine are not in order, and Andrea say we have to hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> I am actually going to move one of mine. I've been trying to like kind of order these as we go along, mm-hmm. and I'm going to move one of mine to dovetail into what you just said. Okay. In my disappointments is Super Dungeon Explorer Forgotten King. Oh, really? Which is oh. another soda pop game. I love Super Dungeon Explorer. I have so much Super Dungeon Explorer stuff. I had until until I played this game on Halloween. I had everything except for one model that they had released retail up until Halloween. My Halloween game, which was... I had played a cooperative game a couple times on the new rules. Everything people have complained about online, about this being bad, came true in my Halloween game. Unexpectedly. And I went into the game making some changes with the expectation that there were minor things and the game's not going to be that bad. Yeah. And completely unexpected. I, I cannot stress enough, I almost... I stood up from Halloween, everybody left, and I almost listed my entire collection on eBay. Shit. I didn't do it. I stopped myself and said, I'm going to give myself a couple weeks break before I make a drastic decision. And I have not recovered from that break. I have not gone back in. I have no desire to play this game without rewriting the rules myself. Wow. And I do mean a complete rewrite. I am so disappointed in this. Not enough to get rid of all my stuff. I still love the models. I still want a game Mm. that mirrors the first edition experience. And what I want to figure out is, can I still do first edition rules just with the second edition cards, which I think I can. But, uh, yeah, so disgusted. And not just disappointment, but disgusted with Mm. this. Okay. My number two. (laughs) Number two. Marathon avatars. Oh, okay. Basically, what they basically done to them. I don't I, understand. You just used a phrase that I thought wasn't in existence anymore. <laughs> What's an avatar in Malifaux? Well, they're still there in the campaign. That is, <laughs> but campaign uh-huh. isn't that good to begin with. I oh, you mean the of... emissary models? Emissary models are not exactly avatars. I thought they were. Isn't that no. what I can use my avatars for? Oh, speaking of which, because <laughs> you can proxy your avatars as emissaries, right. but there's no cards available separately for them. Oh. They didn't do deck of avatar deck of oh. And also, I mean, the way you just have this slightly larger slot in base for avatars that is just so rubbish. I think they'd never actually end up doing the bases in the first place. I haven't seen them at least. Yeah, I remember them talking about that. Yeah, they said they were going to do these special bases that you can put your things in. And uh, The thing is, they're not actually really doing the third book's models was, yet. Was yeah, but isn't, isn't that in line with everything else they've done, where they promise stuff and, uh, you know, only have barely gotten the stuff they promised back when well, they switched to M2? Let's put it this way. The actual campaign 
I sort of looked at it. It's somewhat clunky. It's probably actually better to uh, play normal games rather than campaign. I decided I'll never play it. Wow. And, See, this uh, is why we can't do video because Andre likes to talk about weird. And while I can keep my mouth shut, I can't. <laughs> like, I gotta <laughs> sit further away from the camera with my back to you guys. Let's put a pillow over your face. face. Well, I'm actually I'm criticizing them now, so you know. I know just... it's fantastic. Welcome to the club. Yeah, and uh, also I'm. I mean, the avatars in the first place was kind of difficult thing for them to do properly, and if, and they decided not to do it at all, and because the, they're too put it this way. There was no easy way out of this, and they didn't exactly choose the best way anyway, and lots of disappointing for me there and um, also there's some really weird things in it in a campaign where you play half of the campaign without a master in the... honestly I'm sorry you're disappointed in in, in the weird stuff because I know you were still enjoying it but well I, I enjoyed a lot of miniatures but there was a third book and also there was very few miniatures in there I have such a deep-seated joy on you joining the dark side. We have cookies. <laughs> so let me ask this. Do you think... So Weird, when they started, was well-known for being hugely responsive to the community, for being the small guys who cared, making innovative decisions going out of their way to do things, not to not going out of their way to make people happy, but going out of their way to do things and make, make an effort. I'm that actually going to make a lot of people angry now. I think now they kind of become really responsive to the loud minority. Okay. I don't think you're going to make it. I think actually you're not going to make well, it. I didn't say you. I'm going to make a lot of people yeah. angry. I didn't so, say you. <laughs> that's what I wonder is, do you think this is, I, mean, I would be terrified that this is a sign that it's impossible for that weird that all three of us fell in love with to 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 continue and subsist as a company. Is there something corporately that screws up the mind of companies like this, the corporate mindset, and makes them do just like all cassette tapes in a car glove box eventually turn into best of queen? <laughs> does do all game companies eventually? I used to have that workshop. <laughs> I used to have Best of Queen and Best of Queen too. I think everyone did at the point. <laughs> On cassette as well. <laughs> I think, I don't know, I mean, the issue I've got with the whole thing, and it, I don't know if it's still applicable now, because I haven't really been paying attention to it at all in the past year. Right. Um, but a year ago, one of the issues that I had was that they wanted to play ball as a big company, but the moment anything went wrong, they wanted to fall back on the, it's not our fault we're only a small company. Right. And it's like, it's, it's, it's having the cake and eating it and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And I don't know if that's still the case now, but, you know, it, yeah. There are so many things I hear today 
And it's funny. I hear some of the same compliments that we all used to say and that we kind of came up with, right? Mm -hmm. Starting in playing Malifaux and starting with Weird. I also hear so many things taken as par for the course, just normal every day. Sorry, guys, one second. That at the time would have horrified anybody involved with Weird. You know, one of the comments, um, somebody said the other day, oh, well, I can't get those models. You know, they're not available. Uh, I know they were published a year ago, and we still can't, you know, they're still constantly sold out because there's supply problems. That's just weird. Yeah. I'm like, what? That net, I I understand they used to have supply problems, but it never would have happened. Um, I've heard comments, uh, now I haven't seen a Malifaux game in my local store for a while, but I've heard comments. I was at another store doing Guild Ball demos. Mm. And one of the comments I overheard at one of the other tables is, oh, yeah, there's an entire book and a half of models, and none of those are released yet. Don't worry. They probably won't be released for two years. And they were saying it as in a no big deal. This is just the way the company works. Um, You know, I just – like there's so many things. uh, I've heard bad comments about their quality. Oh, you got a missculpted model? Is it only one? That was the best comment. (laughs) Oh, you got that starter set. You have a missculpted model? Is it only one? Oh, that's not that bad. I wouldn't even bother emailing them. I can remember not even getting a full model missculpted. Mm. You know, I had um, the arm on a Santiago missculpted on the gun alone, and I can remember them saying, why haven't you emailed? We should replace that for you. Mm. And I'm like, you know, honestly, you don't even really see the missculpt. And for such a drastic change through the years. Yeah. It makes me worry that the other companies I see that are making a big effort now, five, six, eight years in, are going to end up like that as well. Mm-hmm. Possibly. And know. that just means it's time to move to a new game. Yeah. Right? Well, First Law Override with their own, uh, their own miniature line. <laughs> <laughs> I still I still be getting Malifaux stuff. I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, it's just the third book has disappointed Sunk me. Sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will be on Gamers Lounge the next one. <laughs> you promised me now. We will work it out. So, Richie, what is your, what are we on? Number Three? two, number two. Number two. two. Uh, my number two is another single model. And it's one that's actually not least this year, at least a couple of years ago. It's just a model that I've only only experienced myself this year. It's so disappointing. It's still the disappointment of last year. <laughs> it is just, oh my god, there is no excuse for this model. It's the Jumpin' Jacks Plague from um, Dead Zone. Oh, that he's fantastic. Are you kidding me? There is no excuse at anything past 2000 and. Whatever, okay. for so, that model to exist. So let me give you, you're wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> why and am I wrong? explain to you why. I am going to, in... Wait, 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 wait. am I wrong? Or am I fucking wrong? <laughs> you are fucking wrong. No, just a short description. I am going to trans... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to transition this from your bottom five most disappointing <laughs> to your top five most brilliant model ever. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Here we go. This model... Somebody at Mantic, when they were making this game, sculpted this model mm-hmm. and brought it to their boss. And their boss went, what the hell is wrong with you? What? Why do you think we're going to release this model? This is crap. Did you take a sculpting class? Like, have you even graduated community school? 
And he okay. said, I will bet you, and made some outlandish bet and said, and if I win the bet, you'll publish that model. And his boss went, there is no way, blah, 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 whatever outlandish bet was will happen. And whatever it was happened. So that boss had to go to Ronnie and say, Ronnie, <laughs> we have to create this model. And Ronnie said, are you high? Is that sculptor any kind of sculptor? Like, has he even, has he ever sculpted a model before? And the, the guy, the boss explained everything to Ronnie and Ronnie went, okay, listen, if you will basically scrub the toilets <laughs> of an Indian slaughterhouse for six months, I'll publish this model. And the guy was like, well, I made a bet. <laughs> so, and actually what really happened is the guy said, how much you want to bet? Nobody will believe we would publish this model, release this model. And Ronnie was like, Psh. Everybody will believe we'll put, we'll put anything out there. We're Mantic. We'll just say it was Kickstarted. And they went, that's it exactly. So they put it into a Kickstarter simply so that people like you to this day would go, I cannot believe they released this model. It's a and look, it works. It's oh god. Even I mean I was talking earlier about how you know the the nineties Necromunda models were bad. Even they were better than this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he okay, looks well, like he's doing jumping jacks. Uh, the model's fantastic. Well we're on a mantic uh, topic. You know they're doing um, Walking Dead now. Yes. I heard okay. that. I saw miniatures, they're good. Also, another good thing is I think Mantic is turning away from Rastic. They're, oh, wow. they're doing hard plastics now. Huh. And okay. yeah, I saw there's some videos on YouTube when he's talking about this new game. Also, interesting rule thing in there. Basically, it's a, it's a competitive game. It's not cooperative zombie game. Right, competitive, and then the zombies are a third player, an AI yeah. player. Well, they're sort of non-player. Yeah. And the thing is, what they're trying to do is basically like you have to grab resources in the game. But normally what people do is just kill each other and pick up the resources. Mm. In this, they wanted to discourage that. So basically, if you go into all-out war with your opponent, you're not going to survive. <laughs> I'll be interested because I'm a Walking Dead fan, mm. but um, I don't have high hopes for a Walking Dead miniature game. I don't think the theme of The Walking Dead fits, not the theme, but the sort of what drives The Walking Dead and makes it good, I don't think fits well. Into it's very a, character driven. Basically, the, the character is going to be very unique based on characters in the comic. This is based on comic rather than the... You could, you could do that. And I'm reading the comics now. What I'm saying is what makes, what makes, what I believe makes The Walking Dead so good is the interplay and personality uh, sketch, if you will, of the people and how they relate to each other, not the action. And yeah. in a miniature game, you're playing out the action. Okay. You know, it's, it's so, yeah, I, I'll be interested to see where it goes. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. So that was that both of your number twos? Yep. Your number mm-hmm. two now, Bill. My number two. Okay. So this was going to be my number three because I'm not as passionate about this as my number three was my super, the super dungeon explorer. I'm not as disgusted or disappointed in this. However, I put this in there, and it's Wild West Exodus. Oh. Wild no, West I'm surprised. Exodus. I, I, and I figured, so this is what I realized. 
when we made this list, I had to actually go back over the last two weeks to figure out when I stopped playing Wild West Exodus because I can't remember. And I had such high expectations for the game, and then they dropped, and I start, I moved to playing once a month, and I actually, I wasn't able to identify if my last game of Wild West Exodus was in 2015 or was at the end of 2014. Mm. I believe it was in 2015. I'm pretty sure it fell somewhere in there, but it yeah. just, it it it's just not a great game. They tried. There's, I think there's a. There's still a great foundation there that they could have done something with, and they just didn't. Mm. And even the new Kickstarter, I don't think is going to carry it through. What then capped things for me is earlier this week I was talking to um, a good friend of mine who actually is one of the people I – he's become a good friend of mine, and he's a guy I met because we both backed Wild West Exodus. And he – while he is still playing, is basically playing the smallest, most non-Wild West Exodus type of tournament. It's the it's one of the it's it's a skill set where they basically go throw out the army scale that we're trying to build towards, throw out the vehicles and stuff, and you can only take the characters, and then you're basically playing with four models on the table. Mm. And that's the only version of the game he enjoys. Mm. And even then there's all sorts of broken overpowered combos and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, it just it it died a quiet death. And to me, that solidly with how much I wanted it to be good and how much not effort because my effort just died off, but yeah, I mean I I tried to I tried to make it work and it just better games came along. I have a mixed feelings about this game. I I watched demos by Beasts of War and I got to admit I love those. I um I thought the heavies would are really overpowered. They probably would never take heavies in the game. I would still use the uh, uh, just you know the, the generic troop and light vehicles and generic yep. troops. And the um, thing is, the miniatures themselves I have mixed feelings about them too. They look a bit too war machine for me. I can see that. And um, some sculpts I like, some don't. And uh, also, there's been a sale in Dark Sphere. And mm-hmm. they they basically gave them basically the full range, which they very recently got. They sold them for half price, everything. Yeah. For quite a few days. For like a week, they were going like half price. I could have got like a whole faction and stuff, but decided against it. But doing too much anyway. It's a really sad thing. I I expect that the they're about to deliver their their second Kickstarter. Mm. I think that'll we'll see a little bit of a spike for that, but I honestly don't expect that spike to go more than two months. Wow. And and it's a full. I mean, you talk about a full blown what ten faction game mm. with full line of miniatures, and I mean they're doing well enough to stay in business, but I, I just like the game just. Out of curiosity, became a non-entity. Yeah, out of curiosity, before the game actually the Kickstarter launched, did they put out beta rules and stuff like that for you no. for Kickstarter to play? Right, okay. So when you remember, of course, when the what just after the Kickstarter launched, you know, Gamers Lounge became an almost for a short amount of time, an almost oh, yeah. exclusively um, 
you know, Wild Texas podcasts because that's what you know, those people you're interviewing yep, and all of this we because those playing. are the games you're playing. So, but, but before then, you hadn't experienced the game. You'd only simply read about it. You hadn't actually experienced it. So there was a during the Kickstarter, there was a sort of an alpha set of rules that got drastically overhauled. Yeah, and um, and then I played it fresh when it came out. And it really was a game where, like, my first couple of games, I John and I talked about this. We played a couple of rules wrong. We thought it was incredibly brutal, incredibly cinematic, a lot of fun. And the longer we played, the less fun it became. Mm. You know, I remember some design-type interviews with you, I think, Bill. Yep, and um, with Romeo. He's the guy who's he's like very business-oriented, isn't he? Yes, very the- sales-oriented. Yeah, he he seemed very ambitious because he says that he didn't want to create a skirmish game because he wanted to sort of like think big from the beginning. I think this is what failed. Had he done like proper skirmish game and properly balanced it as a skirmish game, it might have been a better game. I also wonder, uh, I have found that, how do I say this right? My understanding of some of the theories and concepts that he says he wanted to do, right? So you get that? My understanding of what he said he wanted to do, he completely ignored and moved and didn't follow and actually went in the opposite direction in several cases. Business before pleasure. (laughs) Well, I I don't know if it's a good business or not because I don't know too many people that play. Well. And I know people that did play that complain about the same things I do who went, who have said their understanding of things he said were the same as mine, and he didn't do those things. He did the opposite. So, so okay. would that be a case of him abandoning his dream, or what? I don't know. If it wasn't Romeo, I could make lots of guesses because I know Romeo. I don't want to say because hmm. Romeo's a Romeo is a unique guy. <laughs> He's a unique guy, and I really can't tell if Romeo, Romeo. <laughs> Yeah, wherefore are they? I'm I'm really not sure if... um, I think there are some cases where Romeo is the type of guy who is incredibly convincing, even to himself. Mm. So whatever decision he has now, obviously was always that decision (laughs) and never changed. Right? So... But yeah, so that was was my... Would have been my number three. My number two, it's in my list of... Bottom five. Okay. So, Andre, the most, the worst one. thing that happened all year. It's personally not to me it happened. It happened to my friend. Okay. But I kind of been with him every step of the way because I, have, I think this has been the hugest blunder of last year. And that is Alien vs. Predator. Mine is the exact same. Yeah. Mine is the exact same. That's also number one for me. <laughs> so I should not pick it up if I'm down at the store. <laughs> It's not for me. It's not that at all, Andre. You do you want to, you, it's your yeah. yeah. What's the blunder? Tell me because first of all, the game still looks cool to me, okay, but I don't know nothing about. The game isn't very good, to be honest. The board game. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> well, they will also release a rule book which make it like a war game. That would be a bit like Warzone, which is flawed but very good at the same time. It's like it's it's a good it's a game with strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Uh, board game isn't so much. Now, the problem is, it's not so much for people who buy into the game, it's the people for people who did Kickstarter. Yeah. Ah, uh, okay. And they completely blundered their relations with Fox. 
Okay. That, yeah. Because they, they started producing the game before they have the contract completely ironed out, and Fox, they thought the Alien vs. Predator is such a big IP for them. They've been, like, really careful, and it took ages and ages to get, basically, approval from them for and everything. It, and it, it's Fox. You have to tread lightly with yeah. Fox. I mean, they used to be in the day where, you know, um, back, <laughs> back, oh, God, in the very late 90s, very early noughties, you had the uh, PC game of Alien vs. Predator. And I was a massive player of that. I was on, in online clans, we used to partake in tournaments and all this sort of stuff. And if you had a website that was publishing information about the game, you basically had to have approval from Fox, or they would, t- or they would, well, they, you would get what they called being foxed, where they would give you cease and desist. Mm. If you did a mod where you simply hosted up, you know, you changed the texture in a game, you know, rather than a red wall, it's a blue wall. Something really small like that. They turn around and they go, this is not officially licensed. Take wow. it down or we're going to sue you. Mm. This is, that, that's what they do. It's, it's actually called being foxed. Okay. <laughs> wow. You do yeah. not mess with so them. So the disappointment with it then was really just being in the Kickstarter and, the, and it got dragged out? Well, it's not just that, is it? It's I not mean... just that. There's much more to it than that. Okay. Uh, basically, um, they so had to re- the redesign a lot, quite a few things. And uh, they and That's they end up scrapping their plastic, which is okay. Their, their resins are excellent, which which is actually a good thing. Uh, but um, generally, it took ages. It dragged and dragged. And also, what happened is they run out of money for mm. basically sending it. And wow. uh, so some people were sent Kickstarters and a lot of waiting until <laughs> it's been out for ages and they're basically trying to get some money by selling it retail to send it to Kickstarters back. <laughs> wow. Not only that, a lot of places sold it much cheaper. You know, like you can, some people you could get it half price already and Kickstarters still haven't. But yeah, I mean, let's not remember. Let's not forget. Last time we recorded, I told you about that little shop in the middle of nowhere that I grew up near. Yeah, you know, it's like two hours walk from my house and all this sort of random places. Um, you know, it was, a, the, it was uh, it, the nearest place is like an hour's bus ride, and even that hasn't, hasn't got a train station. All this sort of crap. So in July, there you could go to the shop and buy a copy. To this day, there are still Kickstarter backers who haven't received their copy. Well, they're hoping to get them all out by February. And it's, yeah, and it's not they don't exist, because like, um, at, Dra- they had, was at the end of the year, they had the convention over here called DragonCon, where, yep. where Frodos were present. And they said, if you've got a Kickstarter with us, let us know, and we'll get it then. You can, you can pick it up and take it home with you. Let's and just people like, so it's there, it you're out just not now, sending it. They won't be able to go to Salute. <laughs> wow. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Because people are going to swarm there is just there is no excuse whatsoever. There is no the excuse. Is, also, there. what added to injury was the communication with Prodo's been really bad. They like keep you in the dark, and they, you know they get like really uh, fired up if you try to push mm. questions out of them. And someone actually resigned from Prodo's and sort oh, really? of started doing another Kickstarter, and people like going, "Don't go into this." <laughs> wow, that's a shame. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that's so, that's that's my number one as well. My friend is saying he will never buy anything Prodos ever again. <laughs> that's what understand. happens. You got to be careful with those Kickstarters because well, that. 
I'm I'm still gonna buy Warzone stuff. In fact, Warzone Resurrection Fourth Edition is gonna be is on cards hopefully next year. So that's something I'm looking forward to. Nice. Yeah, that's my number one. Yeah. So my number one was not Alien vs Predator, <laughs> but simply because I never got into the Kickstarter, which now I'm glad I didn't. Surprised I didn't. I didn't either. I just think it's disgusting, not acceptable. Yeah. Um. My number one oh. actually is a number one, and it is a Kickstarter. This is the most disappointing thing gaming-wise this year. So it was the most disappointing game, which, which is Rise of the Kage. The Rise Cage. of Kage. Rise Kage. of Kage. Kage. Yeah. Wow. Um, worst written rule book I have ever read. Oh. Worst. Um, and... I knew this would be a question because I've been asked this question elsewise. So let me see if I can illuminate a little bit of what I mean by worst. Uh, here is one. Uh, come on, open up. So there is a stat. There is a stat on each ninja's card. And that stat is called... Reaction. Let me look real quick. Short rule book, so you would think there's not a lot to edit here. Mm. Right? Uh, there is a stat called reaction. Okay, got it. No problem. So as I go searching through this entire book, I get to this one section that talks about trap search tokens. Now I'm going to read for you word for word... And you tell me how this works, okay? If during a ninja's search action, the search token is revealed to be a trap, then the guard player performs a force test against the ninja modified by the reaction value. If successful, the ninja sustains a wound. The token is still added to the ninja player's mission pool. When a trap is revealed... It always generates a noise token. Okay. Noise. You're a ninja. You reveal a trap. What do I do? You roll a dice and modify it by your reaction. Stuff. Isn't it the guard who does the roll, yep. isn't it? So, oh. so here's the question. The so, so I agree with you. The ninja, like, let's take the sample ninja. Uh, when in stealth mode, which is the only time they can search, this ninja has a reaction value of plus two. Okay. So if I roll a four as the guard on my dice, what is the final number result? Five. No, six. Because <laughs> <laughs> Because that's what it says, right? Yeah, yeah. Roll a dice and Modified modify by... it by the value. Yeah. Which means the better the reaction of the ninja, the more likely they get wounded. Yes. <laughs> they actually came out and went, no, I don't understand how that can't be clear. <laughs> well, the games what? can be abstract, you know. They there's lots of weird things happening. Like no, you wait. know, 
but Andre, it's not as bad as third edition 40k. Trust me. When the target use... number is what's actually supposed to be modified here, and when they say the guard player performs a force let, test modified, they let me mean give you a worst example. the test target is modified, not you the role itself. <laughs> this you is one that, example. You oh, think this I, is bad? I think this is the worst Look, rulebook I've ever seen. Get a lot seen. of this. 40k third edition. You used hand grenades in close combat. You use them in close combat. <laughs> hand grenade. I'm with you. Can, can you? That makes no sense, but I think the rule was clear. Yeah. They could be used in this rule book. Is there is the way you find the rules for how doors work is by reading the description of the door token. Okay. <laughs> in yes, a completely but... different part of the rule book, there are so many leaps of logic that have to be made. Now, on top of all that, I've actually, I was so excited for this game. I thought this was cool. Ninjas, stealth game. I thought the mechanics were cool. I still think the mechanics, there's, there's such an amazing game buried in this pile Maybe of crap. Maybe they rushed the rules somehow. I don't know. It's almost, so here's, here's my suspicion. Because Bushido makes perfect sense to me. I don't, I don't know. I'm not. I haven't looked at the Bushido rules, but and that's what so surprised me is I've heard nothing but good things. I've talked to Toby, who uh, one of their game designers, and he is very grounded. So I was super excited for this game, which is why it's made it into mm. my most disappointing. Super excited about everything about this game seemed cool, even to the point of it was going to be challenging for the ninjas. I like challenging games, so okay, the guards have a step up and an advantage. Cool, I get it. Um, I've had two friends tell me they won't play the game unless it's with multiple players and they play the guards because it's so imbalanced that it's impossible for the ninjas to win. Now, me, I see it as a puzzle, but I'm a bit of a masochist when it comes to games. Um, the rules are complete crap. Can't understand them. Have to pretty much derive what you can. Uh, over and above that, I mean, the models actually look really good. And like I said, what makes this even more disappointing to me is there's such a core of an awesome game here that they thoroughly screwed up. I had the same situation with a game called Cadvalon. Cadvalon. Cadvalon was an RPG done by Rackham based in, on uh, Confrontation Universe, the city of Cadvalon. There was actually a faction called Cadvalon. Okay. And um, the idea, the setting was excellent. It's just so atmospheric. Um, then um, the rules, they weren't very clear. But what they done, they rushed it before Gen Con. And so the rules, which weren't clear to begin with, they had been translated by several people doing bit at a time who didn't know the rules in the first place. You can imagine how that went. Oh, I can, yeah. So my theory here, and I don't know if this is true or not because they haven't admitted one way or the other. My theory is they developed this game had all the rules and all the game mechanics and everything else on like three by five cards. And they put the whole game together and they had a core group of maybe 20 play testers and, and developers and whatnot. And they developed this game over who knows a year or two years where, and they probably played it a lot to get the core game down. Then they sent it to play testers, took all their feedback and made it into the guard cards and the ninja cards because those decks are insane. I mean, just just absurdly large. It's absurd. <laughs> um, and then they went, 
huh, we need to write a rule book. So they found their most experienced developer who knew the game inside and out and said, write up a rule book for me. Because so much of this reads as if, if you already played the game, a lot of this makes sense and some of it you shouldn't have to read. It's a very easy thing to fall maybe, into. Maybe yeah, an very FAQ easy. Come, I mean, will come out one day. And... I think that's... They, they came out with an FAQ. And in the FAQ, one of the first questions was, yes, we are rewriting the entire rulebook and we are trying to rebalance the game. This is, imme- I mean, within <laughs> two months of the Kickstarter shipping. Wow. <laughs> so, so I'm not the only one who gave this a negative. So, I'm sorry, I just know all these people. That's why. Oh, so you tell me. I mean, come on. I, <laughs> I and I can't knock him for not being responsive. But wow, what a disappointment! Like, I'm hoping this doesn't kill the game off because I really think with a good rule set and a clear rule set of rules, the game would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's my crankiness. <laughs> Oh, just before we finished, um, so my friend, you know, he's so disappointed with this um, Alien vs. Predator, but he also backed another game called um, uh, uh, Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And um, it's basic, again, movie franchise. It's it's zombie side with Ghostbusters. Yeah, he says, look, this is how Kickstarter should be done. They've done, they've ironed out everything beforehand. They produced this done on time. Also, you know, you have all these, like, uh, he's got, like, special box, which is black, because a lot of people who had were supposed to get special box for Alien Predator getting basic one now <laughs> instead, uh, and that made a lot of people angry. That's so bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so do you want, like, really quickly five minutes for knockoffs? <laughs> Don't we want to do that as a as sort of a a longer... Uh, I think it'd be That's like a just, big discussion, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think best to leave it for next, next time. time. We, okay. we always yeah. have something we leave till next time, don't we? So. <laughs> I mean, because I, I don't understand a lot about it, but I, I got some I can contribute and say because I'm intrigued on the topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, for those we'll curious, for I don't know time. if we mentioned we were going to talk about the idea of recasts and knockoffs, but we go, yeah, based on the time intent, looking at this, we're at three and a half hours at the moment. Uh, I'm not seeing very much, if anything, we have to really cut. So we're looking at three and a half hours for viewing and listening if you happen to be doing either. So I think, yeah, time to leave it there, I think, folks. I would agree. Okay, till next time. <laughs> yes. Bye bye now. Take care. Oh wait, wait! It's Oops. it's Cheerio. <laughs> Cheerio. Cheerio. Right. Cheerio. Okay. Yeah. Ta ta. <laughs> TTFN. <laughs> <laughs>